Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is? It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. weekend. <laughs> oh, when the blues go marching in. Oh, when the blues go marching in. Sing it. Oh, I want to be in that number. That's right. When the blues go marching in. Hey, buddy, we're here. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Happy Friday at 7.02, your time check. Brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? Good morning, Randy. We're all running on fumes this morning because of an 8.50 puck drop, but it was all worth it. Adrenaline will carry us through because what a Game 6 victory for your St. Louis Blues as they put the Minnesota Wild on ice last night. 5-1 the final in Game 6. The Blues win the series four games to two, and the Blues... We heard a couple of times yesterday about how the Blues were going to have to withstand the the flurry from Minnesota early on, and that no, flurry... he didn't play. Oh, <laughs> good <laughs> one. Sorry, <laughs> I like it. And uh, Minnesota did play well. I, I give them credit for their first period. They did outshoot the Blues ten to four. But guess who got the goal? Over to Nick Letty, Stanley Cup champion, acquired by the Blues at the trade deadline from Detroit. Brings it in. Score! Nick Letty from the top of the far circle. Throws it to the net and he beats Talbot. The Blues have taken a 1-0 lead. 5-0-1 to go. Period number one. That's the first goal by a Blues defenseman in the series. So, Michelle, as Curbs mentioned, 5-0-1 left in the period. The Wild have been taking it to the Blues. You heard the crowd. What was the vibe? The vibe was electric. First of all, who had Nick Letty on your bingo card yeah, to I be the not. guy to get the Blues on the board first? Not me, that's for sure. But the St. Louis Blues do an unbelievable job of getting the vibe right and getting the hype to exceed normal normal times during playoffs with with their game day entertainment with the videos the music they do a great job but you're, you get to that peak, and then as the game starts, if things start to not go the Blues way, it tends to wane. When Nick Letty lit the lamp there, that place was about ready to explode, Randy, and that energy did not stop the rest of the game. Yeah, it took a lot of wind out of the sails of the Minnesota Wild, and it's one nothing Blues after a period. Then midway through the second, the Blues are on the power play, and the captain comes through. Perron, bottom of the near circle, goal line to Shen. Shen to O'Reilly, he scores! St. Louis, 10th 
34 to play, second period. Four minutes after that goal, game over. <laughs> Up the right side, Torepchenko takes it into the corner, goes to the net, walks it in front. It's left there. Bozak, he scores! Three to nothing, St. Louis on a power forward move to the goal by Torepchenko and a tap-in rebound for Tyler Bozak. 6.35 to play, second period. Was a big-time play by number 65, Brandon Saad and Torovchenko with the assists on Bozak's first of the playoffs. 3 nothing at that point, and the way Jordan Biddington was playing, you felt, okay, pretty good. Pretty good. And then the Blues went on to, to keep their foot on the gas and put home the victory. Randy, I almost tweeted this, but I didn't want to put that juju mm-hmm. out there, but you just kind of felt at the beginning of the game when number 50, Adam Wainwright, was in the house, yeah. and he was banging the drum, and he, he was holding his son. It, you just felt the energy in that place, and you thought, there's no way the Blues are going to lose this game. Yeah. Before the second period was out, the Blues outshot Minnesota 21-5 to in the second period, and, as you might expect, number 91 came through. Blues on an Ameren, Missouri power play. Back door, Tara single. He scores! What a pass by Perron, and what a shot under the bar by Tarasenko. 124 to go in the second period, a power play goal, and the boys in blue are up for zip. So 4-0 after two periods, Matt Dumba spoiled the shutout 625 into the third, but with Dean Evison pulling his goalie in the last couple of minutes, the Blues put it away for good. The puck to the front of the net. Shot to the empty net goal. Pareko, he scores. And the Blues have put a handful on the wild tonight. 5-1 the lead. 141 to go in game six. As the Blues start to think about Colorado. So, Michelle, the Blues wind up winning 5-1. They win the series four games to two. And we talked yesterday as we were walking out about a comment that Darren Pang made during game three, and he was 100% accurate. At that point, the Blues didn't have an answer for the line of Erickson, Eck, Felino, and Greenway. Then Craig Berube put Braden Shen on left wing with O'Reilly and Perron. In games four, five, and six, the line of Erickson, Eckfolino, and Greenway did not have a point mm. held completely off the score sheet, and they were a combined minus 10. Unreal. When it comes down to reasons that the Blues won this series, tactical moves by the coach and lack of tactical moves by the Minnesota Wild is right up there. Mm-hmm. Craig Berube knows how to push the buttons of his team. When you look at the laundry list of shrewd moves that Doug Armstrong has made to not only make the Blue St. Louis or the St. Louis Blues Stanley Cup champions, but to keep the window open, appointing Craig Ruby as the head coach is tied for first. He knows how to get the most out of his team and he's not afraid to take a risk. He knew when to go to Jordan Bennington, Randy, who mm-hmm. obviously looks like himself again, which is a, ma- a massive point of confidence for this team moving forward. But when you look at the Wild, I don't know what they were thinking putting Cam Talbot between the pipes no. last night. I did not no. think that that was the right play. Um, this guy hadn't played since April 28th, and his record against the Blues was terrible this this year. I think it's 0-2-1 or 0-1-2. I, I need to look it up. Um, on my notes here. Sorry, I'm like... No, I think you're 0-1-2. and 0-1-2, and thank you. And I thought if that was the move to be made, you would try it on Game 5, but they were too late with the hook on Marc-Andre Fleury, who did not look like himself in this series. But Craig Berube 
Kudos to him. Sick taps to Chief, who knew how to get the most out of his guys. Jordan Biddington gets the start again last night. A monster save towards the end of the first period. 50 seconds left. Goodrow had an opportunity, and Bitter made a huge save on a goal that would have tied the game if he had not made the save. A dominant, I mean an absolutely dominant penalty kill in the second period with Robert Bortuzzo in the box. It was like the Blues were on the power play <laughs> Yes, on that penalty kill. That was huge. And then in the third period, after it was 4-1, to one, Minnesota hit a crossbar, and that was a, a monster stroke of good luck for the Blues, too, is that that puck didn't go into the net and make it 4-2, because then all of a sudden you're you're kind of jittery when it's 4-2. When you look at reasons why the Blues are able to advance and win this series, goaltending was obviously huge. Jordan Bennington stepping up when he needed to. Special teams was the difference. I mean, mm-hmm. the the... PK and the power play, both outstanding for the Blues. But we knew that when you looked at these two teams on paper, that was the disparity. That's where the Blues could really shine. And boy, did they take advantage of those opportunities when they had them. And you then you had the veteran players really step up and assert themselves. We know that the Blues have a lot of a lot of depth, but it was David Perron, Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko, Braden Shen. It was those veteran players who really stepped up and took care of business. And they were sensational. Craig Bruby on this 5-1 victory. Special teams were unbelievable tonight in a goalie, you know. Um, you know, we killed penalties in the first period. You know, they came at us pretty hard. I thought that, you know, we defended well in the first, though. Binner made some good saves. Penalty kill was good, and then in the second, you know, we came out and uh, took. I thought we took the game over. Uh, power play was really good in the second. Penalty kill, too, and... Uh, you know, and then the third period, you know, they, they come with a push. We killed that penalty off, which was really important. Um, you know, we just probably didn't advance pucks and play, a little, you know, in the, in the offensive zone enough in the third. Kind of sat back a little too much. But again, guys, you know, they, they played, they checked well. And then our penalty kill came through again in the third. And Benner, Benner made some big saves. So you win a series and you're rewarded with playing the Colorado Avalanche. Oh, by the way, Kroenke sucks. Kroenke does suck, big time. Mm-hmm. Truer words have never been spoken. Never. That guy absolutely sucks. Yeah, he's the worst. He is the worst. But I think they are rewarded with playing the Colorado Avalanche. They get to play Colorado. They do. That's This is an opportunity. And the Blues, if they play the way that they played against Minnesota... They'll be right there, if not beat Colorado. They'll, they'll compete with Colorado if they play special teams the way they did and if they forecheck the way they did last night. And the defense did great in this series, yeah. too. I was very concerned about the defense early on. I, I was worried about injuries. You saw a lot of defensive attrition. Thankfully, the Blues got some guys back, but they did a great job. Oh, by the way, Colton Pareko with the goal. Happy mm-hmm. birthday to him. Yeah, it was his nice, birthday yesterday. Good I think birthday. He won't forget that one. Uh, 29 years old, Colton Pareko. I yeah. looked that up last night. Couldn't believe it. So Pareko and Bernie. Federico with birthdays and yesterday. There was somebody else on the fight. Who else's birthday was it? We learned on the fight yesterday. It's, Bernie was on the fight. Uh, Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra. Oh, yeah, there you go. Good, Good birthday. Day. May 12th. Good birthday. And today is Friday the 13th. Oh. Whoa. So I'm just saying. It is. I think 13 is my lucky number because I was born on the 13th. And Dan Marino. That's right. And Michelle Smallman yeah. during soccer. But I don't think Friday the 13th is a bad thing, but I'm sure there's some people who are very wary of today. Yeah, I would think that if you're a Minnesota Wild fan, probably Thursday the 12th is worse. Probably. Friday the 13th, you got a tea time. <laughs> oh, sorry. Did I say that out loud? Sorry, Minnesota Wild. But. Was this all Braden Shen's fault, oh, you think? Do you all mean, Braden Shen's fault. You mean sorry? Hmm? Do you mean sorry? Sorry, yeah. Uh, the Cardinals did lose yesterday to the Orioles 3 2, play the, the Giants 
over the weekend. So now we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Randy, Matthew with you. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Peak or pit coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Up into the peaks or into the pit. Peaks and pits. Join in on the conversation with Character and Smallman now. Text 65780. This is 101 ESPN. You can get your text in now to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 for Peak or Pit, Carriker Smallman and Matthew on 101 ESPN and Michelle. My peak earlier this week, I finally got a chance to play golf with Jay Delsing. He's going to join us nice. at the bottom of the hour. So that was great to get out and uh, and talk to Jay and have him help me out a little bit. And my pit of the week is that Cardinals lost two or three to the Orioles? <laughs> that shouldn't happen. Come on. Mm, no. It really shouldn't. No. And, by the way, and I don't know what this is attributable to, I think probably the Pobo is going to have to be asked, but you score zero runs against the Orioles, then you score ten runs against the Orioles, then you score two runs against the Orioles. Something is happening that is uh, causing this feast or famine personality for the Cardinal offense. I don't know what it is, so Hmm. we're going to have to get to the bottom of this. Isn't that what we experienced with this team last season? Yes, it is. I think this might be a trend. I think so. Um, I'm I'm with you, and it's troubling. By the way, actually, you know what? I'll save it for my take it or leave it. Okay. I'll save it for my take it or leave it. So tune in to hear a fantastic Mm -hmm. take it or leave it at 745. Um, Deep tees. (laughs) Super deep tees. My peak was being at Enterprise Center last night. There is nothing like the energy in that building during Blues playoff hockey. Nothing. Mm-hmm. If I could bottle that up and sell that baby, Randy, I'd be a billionaire with a capital B because that is the vibe that we're all chasing in life. It's the best drug possible. When you're going in to watch your team play and there's the the thought that they could lose and there's so much on the line and it's just that galvanizing energy with everybody in the building pulling the rope the same way and cheering for the same thing. It is such an awesome feeling and I really missed it. What and if I, you could bottle what uh, would provide energy the morning after? Well, I think you can do that. I'm drinking coffee. I'm trying that. (laughs) Um, But it's not making me... I love you, coffee, but it's not making me feel the same way I felt when I was in Enterprise Center last night. Um, And my pit... We talked about it yesterday. I popped off about it during Sick of It. An 8.50 start? You've got to be kidding me. I am so tired today. I am so delirious. I couldn't come down after that win last night. I think I went to bed around 2 2 a.m., up by 5. And I know I'm not the only one. St. Louis is going to be on the struggle bus today. And the NHL needs to think about us and think about our needs. And what we need is an earlier puck drop. I wonder if we'll get more of the crap from the NHL because we're playing Colorado. And they're in the mountain time zone. So I'm, I'm guessing that that'll probably be the case. Stan Kroenke will probably pay off the NHL just to have the latest puck drop possible you know to will. mess with us. Yeah. Because I know he's listening. He streams. Yeah, he he kind of hate listens to us. Yeah, no doubt. But we like it. Thank, thanks, Stan, for listening. We help. By the way, if you are listening, Stan, you totally suck. You do, big time. You're the worst. We know that you're listening. <laughs> All right, Matthew, what do we got on the text line? 
He's apparently a glutton for punishment. Six five seven eight zero. So I'm just going to wrap up two of the big ones that we seem to be getting in, in just in kind of on mass. So okay. the the peak is obviously the Blues winning their first round series against the good against peak. the Wild. That's a good peak. And the pit is the Cardinals offense. This seems to be about 20 texts we've gotten with the general theme of go Blues. What's going on with the Cardinals? Okay, Cardinal Nation loves to have their whipping boy, so they got rid of DeYoung, and so today it's Tyler O'Neill. But if it's not Tyler O'Neill, who are you going with? Is Carlson? Just- I was going to say still in Carlson. Yeah, it's got, or, or you know who it might be is Jack Flaherty. I think he got to be performing bad. I think they just kind of look at him now as until he gets there and doesn't perform to their level of ex- expectation. I think he'll be fine. It's when you are not performing to the level of expectation that was had for you that they get you. True, but I feel like when people will throw in, can you believe Tyler O'Neill's hitting 200 with two home runs? <laughs> we haven't even seen Jack Flaherty. It's, yeah. It might not be the entree of frustration, but it's certainly a side dish. You know who might also be the guy ultimately is Edmundo Sosa because Cardinal Nation can't wait to move uh, Tommy Edmund over to short and have yeah. Gorman at second. By the way, when Gorman's striking out 40% of the time, he'll be the guy when he gets here. Uh, but I, I just wonder if if they they have a guy picked out. It's a carousel of ire. It is. That's a good good word for it. Yeah, I don't think you we do what? have a guy picked is that, out. Is that a mini segment we have? The carousel of ire. That's a good one. Okay, like so right now it's Tyler O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, write that down, Mac. Let's get a little production working on the car- the, carousel the carousel of, of ire. ire. Yeah, let's Such go. A good word. Oh, by the way, we're getting tons of texts to the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero. Number one on the carousel of ire is Jeff Albert. Well, yeah, that makes sense, but I mean, he's not a guy that every day you can pick out something that he did wrong. You know what's amazing? How many people who hate Jeff Albert could see him at the grocery store and not know it's him? Do they even know what this guy looks like? Yeah. You never see him. You never hear from him. He's not very visible. Yeah. But but he is driving the carousel of ire. And he's got luscious hair. A lot of guys on the Cardinals have really good, good flow. Good flow, big good time. Good flow this yep. season. Peak, my daughter's graduating from Rockers University for nursing. Pitt, the Cardinals didn't bring up Nolan Gorman. See, there you go. Eventually, Norman, Nolan Gorman will be a whipping boy. Is Mo a permanent whipping boy in yeah, the Carousel? Yeah, 100%. Line? Yeah. Yeah, even when the Cardinals are winning, I think Mo's, Mo's probably seat 1A next to Jeff Albert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Jeff Albert's the only person who gets more... Like you know, crap from fans, but you couldn't recognize him in a grocery store. Gersh is just below that. Yeah. What would happen, you think, if they would get rid of Mo and there would be all of this just euphoria around the the Cardinals, and then they'd start winning like seventy five games a year? Yeah, I think people that dislike Mo secretly deep down can at least appreciate the success that the team has had under his. Or during his tenure, mm-hmm. um, they might not like him, but I think that they know that the team is better off with him than without him. Yeah. They might not admit that to your face, but deep uh-huh. down they know. Six one eight says uh, my peak is that my son is graduating high school this weekend. Congratulations right. for another graduation! All right, move that tassel. My pit is that my son is graduating from high school. Where did the time go? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, it does fly. Eighteen years just flies away. It just—it feels like it's like two weeks. I'm at this stage of life where I feel like I was in college like two years ago, and I'm like, "Wait, no, (laughs) uh, it's been a beat." We'll just say that. But I can understand how it is when you have kids because you get so busy and wrapped up in their lives, and then you blink and they're graduating from high school. My son—I'll put it this way: my son graduated from high school ten years ago now, and. 
it feels like I, I can still picture going in and sitting at Queenie Park like it was a month ago. It, it's unbelievable how fast it goes. Well, I graduated from college like 10 years ago. Made me feel old, Randy. 618 <laughs> Peak, a day off of work to go on the kids' first field trip to the zoo. Oh. Pitt, going to the zoo in this insanely hot weather, only to be thrown up on by a kid and not even my own. <laughs> yeah, there's few things on earth that I would want to do less than go to the zoo when it's this hot. Because those smells are just really pungent. How do you think the animals the feel? Heat. Says the uh, the woman who went on a safari. <laughs> In South Africa. Yeah, but but you're far away. You're at a distance. <laughs> you know, when you're walking through those exhibits at the zoo, mm-hmm. ooh, that you know what I'm talking about. Oh, those yeah. smells. Hey, and just, you can't escape them. You can't escape them because that St. Louis humidity it sticks in the air. I, I kind of avoid the penguin and puffin exhibit simply because of the smell. It's pretty gross. Uh, the primate house. Yeah, right. It's another spot where you just don't want to be hanging out. Love to see our buddies, the orangutans, but mm-hmm. gotta say, hygiene like not on point. You know, they just feed the gorilla. A head of lettuce, and they just sit there and eat it like an apple. It's great. <laughs> uh, but the zoo, free. One of the great things in St. Louis. I mean, we're not dissing the zoo. I'm just saying on a hot, hot day, Yep. I don't really want to be outside, period, when it's that hot, let alone walking around and smelling animals. That's Kids all. love it, though. They do. Kids love it. And you know what? In the heat, if you take them and you walk them around, not only are they learning something about animals and seeing the animals, they're probably really tired afterwards. Exactly. So you, you get Bingo. a solid nap out of yep. it. Three and four peak, three five goal scorers this series. Pitt, no more Blues games on Bally Sports. Yeah, that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> that is a bummer. That's the NHL for you. Yeah, people but, were not happy with the TNT broadcasting. Yeah, we're really lucky. Night. I say this all the time. We're really <laughs> lucky with our broadcasters here in St. Louis. They do an outstanding job. Yeah, there really is not all due respect to the remaining play-by-play people on the national level. But nobody who rises to the quality of level of John Kelly as a TV play-by-play guy. No. I mean, you, you've got your Kenny Alberts and your uh, Steve Levy's. It's just, it, it ain't great. We also love listening to those guys because they know this team inside and out. Yeah, right. And they have analysis that speaks to us and that takes into account the entire season and right. all of the information they have about each player. When you're on a national level, of course you're prepping for a game, but there's no way you can know a team or be as prepped as guys who have followed this team and, and know them super intimately. So hopefully Panger will have the Blues on TNT during the postseason. Fingers crossed for that one. Six one eight. And by the way, tune into every game here on 101 ESPN. Oh, that's right. Every game mm-hmm. right here. Curbs and Joey. They know the team. <laughs> Big time. And a little extra dash of Joey today. Uh, 314 says, peak blues win and now my honeymoon. How about that? Congratulations. Pitt, I'm flying on Friday the 13th. Oh, oh wait. So you're saying. Like his the, peak is that he, the blues oh, that won was like and a, he's going on his honeymoon. So it's not okay. a run on. It's two separate things. Yes. Well, congratulations. You got married. Yeah. All right. Okay, that's good. Honeymoon. But not even on Friday time. the 13th. That's all right. 13's a lucky day. Okay, it is. Good point. I, I'm going to Google this. Research is on it because I think it actually is a lucky day. I think it's one of those things like raining on your wedding day mm-hmm. that people make lucky when it's actually just a random thing. I think Friday the 13th is actually a normal lucky day that someone just made unlucky. I think you're right, Michelle. Like, uh, we've had, as you know, renovation going on here at Hubbard Radio for a long time. And on multiple occasions, two, I guess, I've walked under ladders, not thought anything of it. So big, no big whoop. Okay. But so th- uh, Matthew's saying, no, you don't do that. 
Say, no. that, say that again. Walking under ladders. No, I don't, no, don't, no, no, no. Don't, Randy, don't. Why, no, no, no. Why, why tempt fate? No, that just feels like a risk. I she's, fell she's off a, a ladder and it couldn't get me, so she's walking a under one is going to cause fickle mistress. Yeah, why you know what? That's it? fair. You you did fall off a ladder. Tempt- Actually, you own a ladder. A ladder tried to take you down. Whooped it. Whooped it. Yep. I almost... Can can we say the, Menis, the, the Memphis Grizzlies song? Can we say that on these airwaves? I don't know if it's... I don't know. If yeah, why can't you? I almost said whoop that trick, yeah, but of course yeah, you can say whoop that trick. Yeah, I mean if they're if they're playing it in the arena right. and it's going over the television broadcast, yeah, I guess can, I can say it. it. I just don't want to get us in trouble. But yeah, Randy, you owned a ladder. Technically, the ladder took me down. If you survived to tell I survived. the tale, yeah, I'm still here. It's called a counter, and it's worth I think two points. Okay, there you go. Call By the eight. way, according to folklore historian Donald Dossie, oh out, yeah, Don, shout out to fake. Big Don. The unlucky, the unlucky nature of the number 13 originated from a myth about 12 gods having a dinner party and the trickster god Loki, who was not invited, arrived as a 13th guest and arranged for Hodor, I don't know, what is this, Game of Thrones, to shoot Baldur with a mistletoe-tipped arrow. Hmm, mistletoe. So that, Wait, but uh, isn't that, people are love, smooching? Yeah, what's yeah. going on? So, Come on, Donald. It's, it's weird if you ever read Nordic history. It's like mistletoe and reindeer, and I'm like, I'm sorry, what am I reading? <laughs> okay, well, oh, it sounds mythical. You know what, though? Hmm? This is a lesson. Be inclusive. Yes. Or else you could be cursed for eternity. Right. Be right. nice to everyone. To Don't leave someone out, because he could be a god that's going to curse you forever. What's the guy's name that had the uh, shooter? That hired the shooter? <laughs> shooter. <laughs> Who's the shooter? The, according to Don, the, the shooter is the trickster god Loki. Loki, okay. Don't, don't you love that that's the identifier, the trickster god? Yeah. You need to write, He's you need to write trickster. after school specials, Michelle. Yeah. And that's why we need to share. Yeah, what was this, magic school bus? <laughs> yeah, this is, you're, you're wrapping this up into a nice little yeah. after school special. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next, Jay Delsing talking some golf on 101 ESPN. If you have your golf game going... But it's not going like you want it to. Well, Jay's got an answer for you. Text in 65780 on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Enjoyed getting out on the course with Jay Delsing on Tuesday. We've talked about it for such a long time and finally did. And Jay helped me out with some hand positioning. And I, I hit the ball a lot better down the stretch and uh, have gone to the range and tried to get things better the last couple of days. Jay's with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Of course, you hear him Sunday mornings at 9 with the Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Hey guys, Randy Michelle, good. How you doing? What a game last night, boy! That was fun to watch. Wasn't that terrific? Don't you love to see our team dominate in a clinching game so that you can just kind of enjoy the third period like that? And and you guys, how much fun was the Rocket Enterprise Center with the chanting? It just brought back old memories of the barn. Oh my gosh, it was just great. We have great fans here. We do, Jay. You're right. Enterprise Center was amazing last night. I want to circle back, though, to you playing golf with Randy. Having worked with Randy, I know that he does have a hint of blackout rage that can come out at times. Did you see any of that on the golf course? 
No, but you know what, Michelle, we got the ground rules set early, and I said to Randy, look, if you're ever going to throw a club, you have to learn how to do it like a pro. You just never throw the club backwards. Because oh, okay. it just is more walking. <laughs> you got to throw it, just throw it forward. So, no, we had the ball. We didn't We didn't get to any of that. We just uh, we hit a bunch of shots. Gosh, I think we played in, what, Randy, three and a half hours? Yeah. It, was, it, was a, it was a great day. I had a couple cold ones after. It was, uh, yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, it doesn't get any better than that. And interestingly, Jay, you uh, helped me with my hand positioning, getting my hands up. And we do get a text asking if you have any drills that you could help somebody with because um, he says that, uh, let me get to the text here, Uh, he's a flipper and he wants to know what a good drill is or a training aid to help keep your hands in front of the ball. Yeah, so what flipping means is that the club is coming from a really crazy angle, mostly from the inside, and then the face flips, and it's only square for a really, really brief second. So, um, man, this is a, a, a fairly complicated thing to try to talk about on the radio, but what you want to try to do is um, not not have such a tight circle coming down through the ball. You want to try to, if if the um, – if your swing path is a, a, a really, really round circle, you want to make it more oblong. So we want to keep the club face on the line uh, longer, and we want it to be more square. And so what it's going to feel like to this gentleman is that it's going to feel like he's probably extending through the ball, and I'm assuming he's a right-handed golfer, more out to the right or more down his target line. And on his backswing, he's going to feel like it goes a little bit more outside. That's the best I can do. That's a that's a, a really advanced question and a hard one to describe on the radio. Well, you did a good job, Jay. The 314 wants to know, how do you fix a hook off the tee? Randy, how do we do that? Well, <laughs> we both did plenty of them, man. <laughs> we did. Part of it, and we get another text wondering if it's the grip. If you start with the grip, if, if you're hooking it off the tee, what would you do grip-wise? Yeah, so I hate changing people's grips because it is such a difficult fix because that's the only contact to the club that we have, and most people have been holding the the club like that for for a while. But sometimes you get folks whose grip is so bad that you've got to make a change. So, guys, you're again, we'll go with a right-handed golfer. You're going to have your left hand. uh, You want the the grip more in in the fingers and not the palm of your hand, and you want your left thumb going down the right center of the shaft that you're looking down at, and then either an interlock or an overlap grip, so your left index finger and your right pinky either join or they sit on top of each other. And then um, we want this, the, probably the most crucial part is your right, uh, gosh, this is so strange if you give a golf lesson on the radio, but anyway, <laughs> your, right, your right thumb and your right index finger are, are going to be work as a cradle. And that is when you lift it, if you take the club and your backswing and turn it upside down, that gives you support. And that needs to be headed about at your right shoulder when you're at a dress. That is, that's, that's really important if you can pull that off. Jay at jdelsingolf.com if you want me to try to explain that more thoroughly or just confuse you more. I can do it there. Jay, I want to talk about what's going on in the world of golf. And clearly, with Phil Mickelson getting into a business relationship with the Saudis, it has not gone well. And it looks like he's bitten off a little bit more than he can chew. And now, over the last couple of days, it seems like Greg Norman is in the same boat. These people probably didn't understand exactly what they were getting into. How 
how how do you not? I mean, you guys, this this money that the Saudis have is it's so vast, but it's so dirty. I mean, what Greg Norman said about about um, the the um, and I'm going to mispronounce it's the, Kusogi. Uh, Kusogi. I'm going to mispronounce his name. Thanks, Randy. But how do you say everybody makes a mistake when you're talking about murdering and dismembering somebody? I'm, I mean, running a stop sign. Um, Showing up late for dinner, those are mistakes you can excuse, not murdering and dismembering a, a, a human being. What the hell? I, I, I'm just at a loss. I, I mean, I understand these guys have massive egos. I understand they want what they want. But you can't just explain away stuff like that like it's, oh, man, I picked the wrong entree when I had dinner last night. It's, it's so disingenuous. It's really stupid to me. And I wonder if any golfers now take a look at the backlash for Phil, for Greg Norman, and say, you know what, it might not be a good idea to, A, completely leave the PGA Tour because it seems like the PGA Tour doesn't want anything to do with the guys that are leaving, and then, B, be on this tour that has eight events a year and may not last beyond this year. And, Randy, you know what, it's just a cash grab. I mean, it can't be anything other than a cash grab. I mean... Any of the guys that care about their career are thinking of the PGA Tour and looking at records and where how they can get back, how they can make it better, etc. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm really excited. I've got a great guest on this week, but next week I've got Alan Shipnuck. He's the guy that oh, wrote the book on Phil, and I just got the the Phil book a little early, and I've I plowed through it, and it's it's just amazing. I mean, so the gambling that Phil. Phil is just one of the most complicated men I've ever seen in my life and ever met in my life. I had no idea some of this stuff was going on behind the scenes. It's really a good book. And one last thing, Jay. This is a tournament this week where the Byron Nelson used to be kind of a big thing. But since they moved the PGA, some of the fallout from moving the PGA Championship is that the Byron Nelson Classic really does suffer, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's too bad. You know, Randy, one of the thrills of when, when my career is Mr. Nelson would sit in a rocking chair on the 18th green as you walked off the green and shake everybody's hand. And he would, I bet I did, got to do that 10 or 12 times, and he'd say, Jay, I'm really glad that you came down here and played. I'm that's like, cool. Byron, this is so upside down. I, I'm the one that should be thanking you, and I really appreciate it. So, it, it, you know, sometimes scheduling gets uh, the best of the PGA Tour, and it doesn't quite work out the way they uh, would intend. And, and what's happened at the Nelson, too, you guys, is they kept they keep moving venues, trying to find something better, find, trying to find something better. And what's happened is it's kind of lost its identity a little bit. Mr. Nelson passed away a while back, and so, um, ah, gosh, it's, it's too bad. And can I give a plug to one of our new ambassadors, with the uh, uh, essential Definitely. guest, I, I guess I'm I'm doing it. I asked, and then I'm doing it. <laughs> so, so they just they just signed Justin Leonard as an ambassador. Justin's turning fifty. He's a great guy. He's done a lot of TV work, and it's like it's a really strong get for Ascension, who just keeps on moving forward and keeps on uh, uh, doing things that are doing things the right way and, and benefiting the tournament. Yeah, it's going to be great again this coming fall, and we're all looking forward to it. Jay, great to hear your voice. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much for the time, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. You too. That is our friend Jay Delsing, former PGA Tour pro, with some lessons for you here on 101 ESPN. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service, text line 65780. It's time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 for Take It or Leave It. Michelle, Matthew, Randy, great to have you with us. And Michelle, Take It or Leave It, in two weeks the fine folks of Denver will despise Braden Shen. Oh, take it. Yeah, they will. I don't even think it's going to take two weeks. No, it won't. But by the end of the series, after they lose, they're going to blame Braden Shen. Aren't you glad he's on our side? I am really glad. And now they have the biggest jerk in hockey right now in Kadri too. So we're going to hate, we already do hate the cheap shot uh, injury inflicting goon that is Nazem Kadri, <laughs> but come on, he's he, he's ridiculous. He shouldn't be allowed to play, but we already hate him, so they're going to hate Braden Chen after this series. Can we have um, a two-time at least minimum that we say goon on the show during this series? Yeah, we can. Goon is a word that needs to be worked into the show far more frequently. With, with that guy? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, he clowns up hockey. It's ridiculous. What a goon. Total goon. Yep. Randy, take it or leave it. Tyler O'Neill hitting 200 with two home runs is the most shocking thing that's developed so far from this Cardinals team. This is great. Because I think a lot of other things people might have expected. A lot of people didn't think Paul DeYoung would ever find it. A lot of people thought that the offense might be inconsistent. But I think we all kind of circled Tyler O'Neill and Sharpie as a guy to have another really strong season. Yeah, I I was thinking at the other end of the spectrum, Michaelis. Oh, yes. Positive surprise. Yeah. This is a negative surprise. Right. I I will say I'm going to take that because I kind of thought, I didn't kind of think, I thought that Tyler O'Neill had found his way. I thought that he, with his swing, would not be striking out and looking horrible striking out in situations like two nights ago when he ended the game and then yesterday, I think it was in the sixth inning. It was really bad. Yeah, it's been surprising. And hopefully it's just a little a little ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a long season. But gosh, that was, I just did not anticipate this from him at no. all. And we know how baseball go. That's right. They're looking at tape during the offseason. The totally. opposition is looking at video and finding holes in people's swings. That's true. And maybe that's what they've done with, uh, with Tyler. But it's a game of adjustment, and he needs to adjust and get, uh, get back on the horse. All right, your tech 65780. Matthew, what do you got for us? From the 314, take it or leave it. Torpchenko's blend of size, speed, and strength could give the Avs fits, and he should see an increase in playing time in the second round. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that, He's too. He's a scary guy for the opposition. He was Ta- good last night. Yep, and he gets there with a bad attitude, too, which I like. <laughs> 217, take it or leave it. Winner of Blues Avalanche is hoisting the cup. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take that, too. Yeah, okay. Unless the Avs win, and then screw them. Calgary. <laughs> 636. Oh, I don't like this one. Take it or leave it. Avalanche in five. No, oh, leave it. Leave that. Come, Come on. on. We have some crazy texters today. And here's listen, another pe- example. People are tired. People are tired. Yeah. They're yeah. delirious. Okay, can you explain this one for me, Michelle? Sure. 314. Take it or leave it. Dylan Carlson is back. Huh? Uh, that's they're, they're saying. There's, I mean, they had an exclamation point. I added the, the question mark because I think it's a weird question. Take it or leave it. Dylan Carlson is back, baby. Hmm. Leave it. 
Just I think <laughs> at the moment that's probably a better leave than take. I think so. Uh, Not to be too harsh on the kid, but still, he has been better of late. Let's give uh, let's do our last seven days here, shall we? For I mean, he uh, did a home run yesterday. For, Is that yeah. what we're referencing? Well, maybe that's I love, it. I love yeah. a small sample size. Yeah, he hit a homer. Yeah. DC three. Oh. Uh, small sa- sample size is where it's at. I mean, <laughs> yeah. If we're just looking at yesterday, extrapolate, indeed, baby, extrapolate. Indeed, he is all the way back. Last seven days, three thirty-three, seven fourteen slug, one point oh four eight OPS. Last seven days. So yes, he's back. Confirmed. Taking it. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. Adam Wainwright will have a popular YouTube show or podcast after he retires. Leave it. He's going to be in like the number one broadcast booth on the biggest network. Right? Yeah, he's not going to need to have a podcast. No, he'll be he'll be on somewhere, but yeah, it's not. But if gonna, he did have a YouTube channel be, or a podcast, it would be extremely popular. Yeah, it'd be the most popular one in America. When I saw him last night banging the drum, I thought the the Blues are in good hands. Yeah. David Perron, Adam Wainwright, and I was eating candy last night. It was a wrap. All the juju was. Flying. And Wainwright with his number fifty Bennington sweater on. Totally, it was awesome. Perfect. I, I absolutely. By love the way, about he that. was holding his son and banging the drum, the balance, yeah, the core strength, impressive. the coordination. What an athlete! We 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 know just the guy's an incredible athlete. Take it or leave it. Bennington will have to steal at least two games for the Blues to beat the Avs. I might take that. Yeah, it's gonna yeah, be I'll take a that. tough battle. But yeah, he could be the difference. Mm-hmm. And he's playing that way. He's he is stealing goals from the opposition now. Did you guys get a chance to see the piece that Emily Kaplan did on Jordan Bennington that was released yesterday on ESPN? I did Ooh, not. No, I have not. So yet. I shared it on my Instagram. It's on my story at M and you just click on the video and then you watch it. It's outstanding. It's really good. It's about not only his run during 2019, but how he dealt with the inconsistency and kind of losing himself at times this season. Did you know about the text message that he sent Bill Armstrong before he got called up? No. In 2019. Okay, I don't want to ruin it because it's... Oh, come it, on, tell us. You sorry for slashing. Don't tell us. Sorry for slashing that guy? No, so he had gotten sent down, essentially. So so Bill Armstrong came to him and said, are you ready to play in the NHL? And Binner wasn't ready. And he got sent down from Providence, I believe, to San Antonio. And had a chip on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. This, this is a guy that has always been motivated by people doubting him or by... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Doubting? Uh, uh, just mm. obstacles in front of mm. him. He likes to overcome things. Adversity. Adversity. Thank you, Randy. It's It's been a um, a quick turnaround from last mm. night's game. The brain is not firing this morning. But anyway, he started to get on a bit of a run, and he said to himself before a game, if I have a good night tonight, I'm going to text Bill Armstrong and tell him I'm ready. And then he had a great game, and it went into an overtime shootout win, and, and Jordan Bennington wins. He crafts a text to him that says, remember when you asked me if I was ready and I wasn't? I'm ready. And shortly after that, they called him up, and he went on the run in 2019. Cool. It's really great. And it talks about, uh, from a mental standpoint, how he was able to overcome things this year. And with him playing the way that he is, you should go watch it. It's really good. Good insight into number 50. Emily Kaplan also has been uh, finishing her interviews with players by saying thank you in their native language. And I really like that. Oh, that's cool. Somebody pointed that out on Twitter. I'm like, that's a really nice little like thing that she's just like throwing in there for the players. I think they appreciate it. She said gracias to any hockey player. I don't, I don't think there are any hockey players from Spain and or Latin America slash South America. I just don't. I just, I'm just. i sorry. Or Mexico. Scott Gomez Mexico. used to play in the NHL. Where was he from? 
I don't know. Okay, fair enough. This is like this is like speaking to Alex Reyes in, in Spanish because you don't know he's from New Jersey. <laughs> One time I, we were at the winter warm up and Alex Reyes was coming out to talk and no! some, somebody goes, "Does he need a translator?" I go, "He's from New Jersey." <laughs> that, that has happened to that poor kid way too many times. I feel he's like he's from New Jersey. Jack Buck used to tell the story about how when Keith Hernandez came up, he went up to Hernandez speaking Spanish, and, and Keith said. Man, I'm from San Francisco. I don't understand a word you're saying. <laughs> Come on, you know I don't speak Spanish. That's incredible. I also love that Jack Buck could speak Spanish. Yeah. That's so cool. That's fantastic. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals have more than four future Hall of Famers on their current roster. So the three Albert Yachty, uh, Arnado. Arnado. Is it Wayno? Is it Goldie? He said more than four, so who's the fifth? First, I say we, yeah. we, you got to get Wayno to get to get to more than four. I'm going to leave it. I think we're at three. But what happens when Adam Wainwright goes on to be in the Cy Young discussion this year and win a World Series for the Cardinals and get 200 wins and break the all-time battery record? All these things will definitely happen. Yeah, right? they will. Sure. Then well, he's definitely a Hall of Famer. I will right? vote for him, but I wonder if the group of voters who generally have extraordinarily ridiculously high standards, I wonder if they would allow him in the Hall of Fame, even though he would deserve to be there. I wish that he could make his own case because he's mm-hmm. such a, a wonderful interview, as we know, and he's just has the best personality. How could you say no to Adam Wainwright? Yeah, if he went right. in there and made his own case, he'd be a lock. Yep. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Coming up, we'll hear a little bit of reaction from the Blues dressing room last night. And what are you thinking about the Colorado series? It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. Ten seconds to go. Puck dumped in by Minnesota. Five seconds now remaining. It comes to Torepchenko. And as they eat it in the corner, that'll do it. Bring out the Zamboni. Blues 5-1 winners in game six. Eliminate the Minnesota Wild. Four games to two. Eight oh four in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle, Randy, Matthew with you, and Jordan Bennington. Great again last night. Faced 26 shots, saved 25 of them. Coach Craig Bruby made the change midway through the series. Why is Bennington so effective when he gets to that clinching game? Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> it's just his demeanor, you know. He uh, he loves this kind of stuff. He really does, Randy. He was built for this. This mm-hmm. is what pushes him. This is what motivates him. Remember in 2020 when he went in the bubble and there was no fans? He said, I need that. Yeah. I need that energy for me to get game ready. This is somebody that whenever he's doubted, he does his best. Whether it's this year, 2019, anytime after a loss, we always see Jordan Bennington really rev his engine again and, and come back strong. So I have no doubt that he not only has taken this torch back, but he's going to run with it for the remainder of the playoffs. And in the bubble, the Blues lose in the first round to Vancouver. Last year, they lose in the first round to Colorado. 
Coach Ruby, why are the Blues more equipped to win this year? I think we're deeper this year uh, than we were last year. Um, up front, we're deeper. Uh, back end, we're deeper. Um, so I think, uh, you know, it's it'll be a tough series for sure. They're a great team, Colorado. We all know that. They've got a lot of high-end players, and you're going to have to do a lot of things right, and you're going to have to be real disciplined staying out of the penalty box against them. And J.K. mentioned last night that one of the things Bruby told the team was that, hey, you're built to win late in games and late in series because mm-hmm. of the depth that he's talking about and because the hits they lay on the opposition, they wear teams down. It's a war of attrition and the Blues yep. are going to win. But how many times this season have we seen the Blues operate from a deficit after the first period and they, they find their way in the second period and they come on even stronger in the third? Chief's absolutely right. This is a team that ages like a fine wine, mm-hmm. not, not only throughout games but through series as well. Right, you're down 2-1 in this series and then win the last three. David Perron, how did that happen? Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with uh, what Tyler said. Uh, they're a great team over there. Um, you look at the way uh, they pushed us uh, game game five uh, before Vladdy scores his goals. I mean, uh, guys played a lot of minutes in the first two periods. Guys are exhausted and we just find a way to come through at the right time. And uh, it seemed like it happened uh, kind of every game. And Michelle, the one thing that Minnesota had that was similar to the Blues was that grief line. Mm-hmm. That, that group of Greenway, Erickson, Eck, and Felino. they were the type of line that the Blues were going to have trouble with. And they did in the first three games. But as we mentioned earlier in the show, in the last three games of the series, that line, Erickson, Eck, goes minus two with no no nobody scored at all no goals no assists for that line in the last three games Erickson Eck minus two minus one minus one in the last three games Felino minus two minus one even in the last three Greenway minus two minus one and even in the last three games so David Perron how did the Blues succeed against that line I don't know if it's just about points for them. It's the way they create momentum. They're heavy. And, uh, I mean, tonight in the first period, they were uh, hemming us in uh, pretty good. Our line got stuck in D zone uh, quite a bit, and we had to play a lot better after that. So uh, I don't think it's just about production for them, but uh, they they did a really good job all series all year long. Uh, It's one of the better lines, uh, tougher lines to play against. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, was a lot of fun going up against them, uh, how physical they were, all that stuff. We had to be extremely sharp, extremely focused uh, every puck play, basically. Um, so yeah, that's uh, they had a good series. Uh, no matter what their production, it's kind of like what you asked me about O'Reilly before the playoffs. Like it doesn't matter if he produces or not; he's just doing the right thing at all time, and that's what they do. He says it's fun to go against that mm-hmm. line. He's fun to go against them, but they did a great job against them. The one thing, though, that I think a lot of people looked at as far as the Minnesota Wild were concerned and thought, I'm going to pick them to win this series over the Blues is because of Kirill Kaprizov mm-hmm. as the X factor. And how great of a job did Nick Letty do on Kaprizov? I want to read you a tweet from Luke Korak because I think he summarizes it beautifully. In three games that Nick Letty played in this series, he went against Kaprizov for a total of 23 minutes, 26 seconds, of 5v5 play. Kaprizov scored 7 of the Wild's 16 goals in the series, was held to 0 goals in 5v5 play going against Letty with 4 high danger chances against. He did an unbelievable job of containing and frankly shutting down Kirill Kaprizov. And now to spin it forward, who's going to handle Nathan McKinnon. I mean, you've got so much talent up front with McKinnon and Landeskog and Rantanen. And uh, obviously, we talked earlier about the the goon in Nazem Kadri, but they've got other really good players. And then there might not be a more dynamic player in the league, all due respect to 
McKinnon and Connor McDavid, but Kale McCarr is just electrifying. And so the Blues will have their hands full with Colorado. But it goes back to what we talked about with uh, Jamal Mayers a couple of days ago, and we're going to talk to Jammer later on in this show. What the Blues have to do is find a way to maintain puck possession in the offensive zone and keep those guys as far away from the net as they possibly can. Is there anything, as far as you're concerned, to Colorado resting and losing momentum? You know, I don't believe that's going to benefit them. We've seen it with the Blues before. Sometimes Mm -hmm. when you have that momentum and you have played and you have had to win recently, I think it works to your advantage. Colorado didn't have to do much down the stretch, certainly didn't have to exert themselves very heavily against Nashville. I think the fact that the Blues were in a battle really benefits St. Louis in this series. And I think the other thing is, is you go back to Bennington and the fact that he's been there before and he has won before and I the fact that Colorado has not done it and especially in my opinion the fact that their goaltender hasn't done it I really do think that that gives the Blues a small advantage now is it going to be enough to win we don't know but I can tell you this Darcy Kemper he's been really good in his career when he's been healthy but he's never been put in a position like this before yeah who would have thought though that we'd be sitting here on May 13th at points of the season when we watch Jordan Bennington play, saying mm-hmm. that we think he's going to be the reason that the Blues have an advantage over the Colorado Avalanche. It's amazing how things change. It's been a roller coaster ride for Jordan Bennington so far in his career. But going back to the rest component, Randy, they haven't played since May 9th. May 9th. And I know that they'll be rested, they'll be healthy, they'll be ready to go. But I think there is something to being in the thick of it and being game ready and being sharp and just having your senses be firing and having that sense of urgency. And I love that the Blues are going to go on the road, as David Perron told us, and it's a business trip mm-hmm. for them. I, I just think that I would, if it was my team, I wouldn't like, if this was the Blues that was resting and that had swept the Predators, I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't either. So I I view that as an advantage for the Blues. And by the way, the other night the Blues were double-shifting Robert Thomas. They they sat Barbashev and they double-shifted Robert Thomas. This is a series, especially there, and I don't remember who brought it up, but it's a, a salient point. The Blues need everybody to be healthy and playing well because you can't double shift at altitude. If you're the Blues and you're going into Denver, you can't do what you did in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So everybody's going to have to take those short shifts and they're just going to have to play Blues hockey. They've gone in there and won before, but they're going to have to play their game in terms of short shifts, playing a good tight game, a good five-man game against each other and getting it into the offensive zone. Going into this series versus the Wild, Randy, I don't know about you, but I was pretty confident. Not only because of the way that the Blues had been playing, but because we had seen them handle the Wild many mm-hmm. times this season. I don't feel as confident going against Colorado. I don't. I'm searching for reasons. Uh, me too. But isn't it reason enough that in 2019 we've seen that when the Blues play their style of hockey, they can beat anybody? And that they're not afraid to play anybody? And that they, they look like they're hitting their stride well, at the right time. Yeah, and that's a product of the head coach. Yes, it is. No doubt about it. Hey, if you want to participate in the fight coming up at 830, we don't have a fighter yet. Text the word fight into 65780 and you, maybe Matthew will pick you. We'll see. Next up, though, we're going to talk to Joe Vitale about the Blues victory and probably something else <laughs> next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We are talking.
talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Blues booth. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors has great floors for every home with locations in West County, South County, St. Charles County, and our new location in Mid-County. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Celebrity line we go. Joe Vitale joins us every Friday morning, and he does so on the heels of the Blues eliminating the Minnesota Wild last night at Enterprise Center with a 5-1 victory. Good morning, Joey. How are you feeling today? Hey, Randy. I'm doing awesome. Michelle, doing great. What an exciting night it was last night. A lot of people are pumped up for round two. Okay, so i got to start with this. We got off to a late start last night. We got to a late finish last night. Did you still do your run this morning? Mm-hmm. Buddy, of course I did. Are you kidding me? My my my. I tell you, Chris Fox and Andy Crow, couple couple good buddies here in Kirkwood. I showed up. I showed up. Man, it's a priority for me. Like, what are you doing? What time did you get home last night? I was like, I got home about two. Went to bed around three. Um, <laughs> but you know what? You know, at the end of the day, I think you only need a few hours. You no, know, every Friday, it's uh, it's important. I do it. I, I love it. And uh, we stopped off, grabbed a little uh, cup of coffee on the way as well, and uh, talked some blues hockey. We got in pretty, we got in pretty deep today. Actually, ran into some good people there. But no, I, I, I really enjoy it. Um, no matter what time I get in, I typically am up. And and with the kids as well, it's you know, there's no sleeping in right now at the Vitali household. Whatever time you get in, uh, it's a five thirty or six a.m. wake up call just about every single day. Joe, does getting up early in general for the normal human being get the blood flowing right after you wake up? Does that help you throughout the day? Is this something that you have studied? You know what? The only thing I will say about it, Randy, is that my dad, he got up at four every day for work. And I know that there's a lot of studies about this where they look at like, I think Thomas Edison was a guy that got up at four. They they found a lot of entrepreneurs and inventors and, and people that became very successful in life. And the one consistent thing they found was the number four. And what, what, by what I mean by that is a lot of them got up around 4 a.m. for whatever reason. Um, so uh, with me, it was kind of inevitable with kids, you know, getting up early and helping out with my wife. And, and I've gotten in this rhythm of just getting up very, very early in general. Um, and especially when I got in my, my injury, when I got my face all beat in and I, and I became like a narcolep where I couldn't sleep at night, then I really got up early. And then, uh, but what I found was that it, it really is, it's kind of like for me right now, it's just like a breather. Like I, I find a, a little time for myself where, you know, the, the rest of the day is so chaotic. I mean, I go from kids all day and then you go to the rink where it's basically like you're going to a party and you got to talk to so many people and then you got to talk on the air. I literally don't stop talking from like 4 p.m. until like 1 a.m. <laughs> on those games. I mean, it just never ends. So for me, it's like I am so exhausted sometimes and the alarm goes off at 4, 4.30. But to me, I, if I can get up and just find a little bit of quiet, a little bit of solace to me in the morning, that's like my sacred time where to the point where if my kids like get up at like five and I've only been up for, like 30 minutes or something I'm like you get you get back you get back upstairs don't you come right this is, this is my time this is my time you know what I mean yeah how dare you this is my time well Joe yeah. I, I wonder what time Craig Berube gets up it must be in the four o'clock hour because he has success no matter what when I think about all the moves that Doug Armstrong has made to make this team a Stanley Cup champion and keep that window open for contention appointing Craig Berube as the head coach is right up there what did you think about some of the tactical moves that Chief made during this series yeah i mean listen um what he has done is it's such it's so overshadowed i think by this team um it's by the goaltending uh, by the special teams i think that yes the product on the ice is certainly what's been successful for st louis don't get me wrong and i think if you ask craig berube he would put it on the players and at the end of the day it, it is the soldiers on the ice that are getting the job done 
but it, it is such an important point, Michelle, and I'm really glad you brought it up because we, we dove into it a little bit on the post game last night, but there are so many little tweaks he made, and he is so good about making these tweaks in the series, and it just, to me, it put St. Louis over the edge. It's an area of, of Craig Ruby's game he just doesn't get enough respect for, and I don't know exactly why. My only suspicion is, is because of the type of player he was. He was a fighter. He was a rugged guy. And, and I don't know why, but it's almost like people don't give him the respect of, like, from an intelligence standpoint because of the player he was. If that makes any sense at all. Like, mm-hmm. you think about, like, you know, Stan, uh, you know Bowman, or you think about uh, Scotty Bowman there, or you think about Joel Quenville. They, they just seem like intelligent minds where, where players like our uh, coaches now, like Craig Berube or Bob Bugner there in San Jose, they just get this, like, this kind of stigma about them where they were fighters and rugged and they don't have the brains and they just go out there and just go, like, ooh, me, meat going to kill like like a caveman i don't know i don't know why that is because they really do have so much incredible intelligence and a feel for the game and with that feel you know craig ruby's made he's made so many great adjustments you know you go with biddington when he made that switch to biddington in this series that was the right time uh, no, no disrespect to dean evanson i knew he was going to make that change and i didn't think it was right because now you're putting your goaltender in he's only seen one game in the previous 20 games he set out the entire series it's a clinching game. It's a lot of pressure for the guy. He hasn't done well against St. Louis. To me, it was like a lose-lose. And we saw with that Nick Letty goal. I mean, to me, when that Letty goal went in early on, I knew it was over. Like, Talbot has not been very good against us, and then he was in a bad situation. So you look at one, one goaltender switch from a good coach and one goaltender switch maybe from not so good decision on Dean Edmondson's part. I mean, that's just one. How about, how about the fact that, yes, you have to go to 11 forwards and seven defensemen set, and, and that's all well and good. And it was kind of started because of so many banged-up defensemen. But, but then you got defensemen back, and they still stuck with it. Why? Well, because, you know, Craig Berube knew that Dean Evanson was trying to match lines. He was trying to get his right matches. So it's basically, you know, 12 forwards versus 12 forwards. So he gets away from the 12 forwards. Then he only has 11 forwards. So think about this. Like, it's pretty incredible why he did it. Because, you know, now – Dean Evanson's going to have trouble matching lines because they don't have 12 forwards. They only have 11. So that fourth line, for example, guys, look at, look at the extra forward over the last two games on that fourth line with Tyler Bozak and Torpchenko. Craig Ruby kept going with the same guy over and over. Who was it? It was Vladimir Tarasenko. It was the guy that, that Dean Evanson was trying to shut down with the Erickson Eck line or some of the other big lines. But now you got Vladdy double shifting, and he's out there against a fourth-line group of guys. It's just it's so brilliant, that, and that's why you know Vladimir Tarasenko really started to heat up towards the end of the series because I think he was getting more minutes and he was getting some favorable matchups. So, you know, uh, as I'm walking around here, I'm on a nice pad of concrete, you know, so I, I love concrete. You know, the, the, the team, you know, the you know, concrete's made up of basically cement, water, rock, and sand. Those are the only ingredients in concrete. So that, to me, is the team, right? Special teams, goaltending, defense, scoring, whatever. But, you know, the concrete's an interesting, um, it's an interesting substance because, you know, concrete's actually very, very brittle. You know, people don't know this. It was actually, um, mm. it was actually a, French, a French botanist. His name was Joseph Monnier. I always like the name, Joseph Monnier. Monnier. He was a, Monnier. He was a French uh, potter. And he decided, you know, back in the 1800s, that he was going to make these concrete pots because concrete started becoming like a really big thing. And it was like, wow, let's make these concrete pots. So what happened was he would, he would put these concrete pots together, but then they would break. They were, they were so brittle. Concrete actually is a very brittle substance. So then he's sitting out there. He's probably, you know, in my perfect world, he's out there. He's just thinking about the concrete and how he can make these pots more structurally sound. And he decided to start throwing wire and, like, um, bars and like heavy metals into the concrete when it's still wet. So when it's hardened, and what did he what did he realize? He realized 
that the metal kind of keeps everything together. So you look at concrete, look at roads, look at sidewalks. Because of Joseph Moyer, that's what they do now. They put reinforcement bars, you know, you know, rebar, or mesh, steel, and that's when you see these skyscrapers going up. It's full of that rebar because of what he did. And, and to me, this team, and you got concrete, and you got this team, you got all the right pieces, but it's the mesh, it's the bars that kind of keeps everything together. And to me, that's the coaching staff. And that starts with Craig Ruby. His ability, his ability to kind of read things, understand things, make little twitches, make little like flicks here and there, and just have to constantly be adjusting in a series. And like I said before, he, he deserves far more credit than I think he still gets about the intelligence that he brings to this game. So your chief is Joseph Monier. Basically, that's what I'm trying to say. That and then the reinforcement rebar. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> hey, Joey, I want you to give us a why, because we can give the numbers that Erickson, Eck, and Felino and Greenway in the last three games didn't get, get a goal or an assist, and they went and combined minus 10. But you can tell us why that happened. Well, I tell you what, that line came off on the scenes very hard, and they were very good in the first couple games. And the Blues knew they were going to be very hard to play against, and, and they were. They're a big, they're a big system. They they move very well. Uh, the big bodies around the net. They defend hard. Um, but as the series progressed, uh, they became less and less uh, effective. You know, I mean, I think that at the beginning they were trying to go up against that Thomas line. I think when the series transitioned to St. Louis, Craig Bruby got them out there with the Ryan O'Reilly line. I think that kind of disrupted their game just a little bit. But the biggest reason why I think they became less impactful as the series went on was less about what they did, but it was more about what St. Louis did to them. And, you know, I had a great conversation with Wendell Clark. Uh, this is going back my first year in the radio booth when I met him. I had the pleasure of meeting him up in Toronto. Darren Pang introduced me. We were talking about the Maple Leafs at the time. We were talking about the Blues. And we were talking about how neither team at the time really had a lot of physicality. And we were talking about did these teams really have what it took, maybe in a playoff situation where you have to be so physical in the playoffs. And it's something Wendell Clark said to me I'll never, ever forget. And I think it kind of applies here to why they shut down this Erickson Eckline. He said, Joe, you don't need to necessarily be overly physical to win a Stanley Cup. But if you're not going to be physical, you always have to have the other thing, which is you have to be able to know how to play through the physicality coming at you. And I think that that's what St. Louis did to them. They kind of roped a doped him in. I mean, Felino, I think he had like almost 12 hits in that game five in Minnesota. He was flying around. He brought it. They brought the heat. They brought the physicality. But the Blues just learned how to play through that. You don't, you don't get baited into it. Felino constantly was trying to like disrupt them between whistles, and they just kept going. They absorbed the hits. They took the hits, and they just kept playing. And I'm telling you right now, when you have a player like Felino who's hitting bodies 12 times, and they just keep on coming. I mean, guys, that, that is a, def- a very deflating feeling as a player where you know you're not slowing them down. You know, it's like, uh, like Jake LaMotta. You ever seen the movie The Raging Bull with Robert De Niro? Yes. Uh, true story about Jake LaMotta. He's like, at the very end of the movie, he's like, hey, Betty, you never got me down. You never knocked me down. You never knocked me out. You know, and that's why they called him The Raging Bull. Jake LaMotta, he was a great Italian boxer. Uh, he got the nickname as the Raging Bull because he just never stopped coming at you. And that was like a really deflating feeling. A lot of boxers talked about boxing against Jake throughout the years. And it's like he was one of the toughest boxers to box, not because he had a great knockout ratio. He didn't like kill a lot of people. He didn't win a, a ton. He wasn't like the other Italian, my, my favorite boxer of all time, Rocky Marciano. He went 49-0. and mm-hmm. Jake Lamato was a little bit different. He didn't quite have that knockout ability. But what he did so differently was he was the raging bull. He never stopped. No matter how hard you hit him, he just kept coming. He just kept coming. And that's what I saw with the Blues. 
when Felino and Greenway and Eric Snack were banging their bodies and flying in the forecheck and buckling guys after whistles. They just kept punching. They kept coming. And then the Blues just kept coming back. And they kept coming back. And they kept coming back. And they kept rolling them over right in their face. And before you know it, I think the guys just kind of threw in the towel. Like, this, is, this isn't having an effect. So, to, to, to the Erickson Eckline's point, they were physical. you got to be physical in playoffs. But if you can't match the physicality, you have to figure out how to play through it and just keep coming at them. And that's what the Blues did so well. They rolled one after another right after them. And it was incredible to see how that line got a little bit less effective each and every game because of what the Blues did. Joey, doesn't that bring us back to Craig Bruby, though? Doesn't that feel like his identity and his fingerprints all over this team, a team that knows how to play through physicality like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, it's the mindset. It's the mindset. And, you know, Craig Bruby, he's a realist. You know, I think, I think in a perfect world, he would love to have 18 Craig Berubis that are just like tough as nails that will play through broken jaws, will fight anyone. I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe. But he also understands that that's not reality anymore. And, you know, um, he's made the adjustments to learn how to coach the younger players. You know, this, this game now, guys, it's all about communication, right? It's like, a, it's like a marriage. Like, you have to communicate with people, and you have to communicate with these players. You know, I had a coach a couple, couple months tell me, you really can't go more than three days without individually one of the coaches talking to the players. Like, you just really can't do that anymore because of the mind games and the players start getting a little loopy. What's going on? No one's talked to me. I mean, communication is huge, and Craig Berube has adjusted that so well. He's so good with these young guys. I, I love watching his body language on the bench. His first year, he was blowing up. His face was as red as a steam engine. He was going all over the place, yelling at Steve Ott, barking at the referees, you know, uh, just uh, going after players who were turnovers. And, and it's changed. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing Jordan Cairo make, make turnovers, or I'm seeing Robert Thomas make a sloppy play. And I always look right at the coach during a turnover. And his body language is very even keel. It's cool. The players come back to the bench. He doesn't say a word to them. Every now and then, maybe he may talk to Steve Ott, and Steve Ott will maybe mention something to him. But he, he gives players the freedom. You know, he gives them the freedom to make mistakes, and then by doing that, uh, I think players have found that through that freedom, uh, they, can, they can truly express themselves and play kind of risk-free hockey, knowing that you're going to make mistakes. It's, it's, it's a decision game. You know, you step on the ice, guys, and I, I don't know one game where you make more decisions uh, as quickly and as rapidly as a sport of hockey. There's no play alike. And, and he understands that. You know, and he, he, he doesn't you know, let his ego take over where he has all the answer. He knows everything. Um, you know, another other areas where we're kind of on this Craig Berube kind of topic this morning. You know, one thing that he's done very well, I think, as well, is, is he's divvied up responsibility to the assistant coaches. You know, a lot of head coaches are control freaks. They want it their way. They want to run meetings. They want they want a system their way. Watch Craig Berube. I mean, really, I, I, I've dug in more and more to special teams and power play and penalty kill and goaltending. And, and, and you ask these players, you ask these coaches, it's the assistants that have most of the responsibility, and it's because Craig has gifted that to them. He's almost empowering them to do that. That he's actually empowering the team to kind of take over as as it was their team. You know, like two, three weeks ago, they're in Arizona. They they blow a four one lead late in the third. Craig Bruby calls a timeout. You know what he says on the bench? Nothing. He's just standing there. He's just sitting back against the glass. And it was Ryan O'Reilly going up and down the bench. I asked him after the game, what was that about? He goes, I just I just let him let him have it. He goes, their team. If, if, if I told him this could happen, go, go figure it out. And it was Ryan O'Reilly just picking the guys up. And, and to me, that's the sign of a great coach, someone that could give out responsibility, put his ego aside, and say that this is not my show, this is not my team, this is your team. Go out there and go get it.
Finally, Joey, as you get ready to broadcast in the uh, in the altitude, uh, the old Rams running back Stephen Jackson had an an altitude tent built over his bed mm-hmm. the week before the Rams would play in in Denver. It allows you to breathe low oxygen air in order to increase performance in the altitude. So, do you have an altitude tent that you're going to use to prepare to broadcast in Denver? I will not have an altitude tent. I will tell you that one thing. I will say one thing though. I don't blame him. I always try to work out the morning of a game. And when I go to Colorado, I tell you, every time it catches me, it reminds me, oh, yeah, I'm in Colorado. Hop on the treadmill. I start my walk or my run, whatever. Within minutes, guys, I am completely out of breath. It, it, it is real. I will say that. I think the Blues were kind of talking about possibly going out a little bit early. We haven't got the official schedule just yet. To try to get used to the altitude, you know, and it's amazing about uh, the altitude. It's not that it's not that there's less oxygen out there. It's just not as dense. You know, I was talking to the Blues, a strength trainer, about this last time they were in Colorado. There's just less less oxygen, like let's just say per square foot in the air. So what does that mean? It means you got to breathe heavier to get more oxygen in. That's why a lot of players will actually have a very disruptive night of sleep. Sleep's actually one of the biggest things that that cause problems with players with the altitude change. So think about this. You're, you're sleeping, you're breathing, right? And you've got this kind of like systematic nightly ritual of how much you need to breathe to take in oxygen. Well, eventually, because it's less dense in that kind of setting, you have to breathe heavier. And your body's not used to breathing heavier nights. So what happens? <gasps> you wake up, right? And that's why a lot of players, like, they don't sleep very well because of that, that level. Now, to combat this, something that the strength trainer, a lot of the blues, have already discussed when they go out to Colorado is you apparently got to have more iron, more red meat. So a lot of players that typically do like proteins the night before games, they're encouraging, they're pushing red meat, something that that can get the iron and get the red blood blood cells up. Uh, My my dad always gave me liver and onions. I don't know if you guys ever had that. Apparently liver's got a bunch of, um, a bunch of vitamins and and vitamin K apparently. I think, Hmm. well, they say that they say that rabbits, they say that rabbits like don't have glasses because they eat a lot of carrots mm-hmm. because of the vitamin K. Yep. But I actually found out that, that liver liver has more vitamin K than, than carrots. So you would think that you would think that they would eat more liver than carrots. But anyway, long story short, vitamin K and iron, those are the two the two nutrients the blues are gonna really try to push to keep the red blood cell count up, which will increase the oxygen intake, which will hopefully get them to sleep better. It's a lot of science and it's a lot of voodoo stuff, but so far it seems like it's been working for them. And I just assumed the rabbits didn't have glasses because they didn't have thumbs to put them on. <laughs> Jeez, I didn't even think about Boy, you just blew my mind right there. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Joey V, you're the best. Have a great weekend, man. <laughs> okay, you guys have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. We'll see you later. Joe Vitale with us on 101 ESPN. See, we learned something. I wonder if that's an Italian thing, because my dad always used to make me eat carrots and say, have you ever seen a blind rabbit? There you They're go. good for your eyes. I yep. was like, indeed, I have not seen Probably a blind is. rabbit, Dad. Yep. Coming up, we've got the fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Wow, we're late. 
It's 841 in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That's what happens on a Friday when we're talking about concrete and blues hockey with Joe Vitale. And we had no sleep last night, so we're a little loose and delirious this morning. Apologies to everyone listening. Let's welcome in Randy's challenger for the fight this morning. Zach is with us here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Zach. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks so much. Are you ready to take on Randy in the fight? Yep, let's do it. All right, let's jump right in. Question number one, who is the only player to hit for multiple cycles while a Cardinal? Is it Stan Musial, Ken Boyer, or Willie McGee? Hmm, uh, Willie McGee. Number two, what AL slugger became the first MLB player to ever strike out 2,000 times? Is that Jim Tomey, Jose Canseco, or Reggie Jackson? Jose Canseco. Zach, who holds the Major League Baseball record for most games played? Is it Hank Aaron, Ricky Henderson, or Pete Rose? Most games played. Uh, Pete Rose. And happy 61st birthday to the worm, Dennis Rodman. How many NBA titles did Rodman win? Four, five, or six? Uh, four. <laughs> <laughs> we'll check our score here. Uh, yep, confirmed. Wave Randy in. Zach, are you laughing because you had no idea? Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I feel the same way every time I complete the fight. Oh, Randy trotting in here. There's a little spring in his step this morning. Called in quickly. Yeah, you did. Well, I was buzzing through it because it's already 842. Right. And we got to get to Keith Kachuk. Looking forward to that. Absolutely. We got to get to Big Walt, so we got to... Get busy here on the fight. Okay. No time for small talk today. Randy, say what's up to Zach. Zach, good morning. How you doing? Good, Randy. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Awesome. Thank you. This is what happens, though, when we go on a concrete tangent with Joe Vitale. This is true, yeah. You know? But I wouldn't and change it for the world. I, I learned so much about concrete. Yeah, it's important to know. And rabbits. And rabbits, that's right. And how Craig Berube is like, what was the guy's name? Do we write it down for our Joe Vitale fun fact? Meunier. 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 Grand Meunier. I don't know. Randy, ready? Ready. Who is the only player to hit for multiple cycles while a Cardinal? Multiple cycles as a Cardinal. Um, I think I might know, but I'm going to do the lifeline. Stan Musial. Ken Boyer. Willie McGee. Well, let's see. Willie hit for one in 1984. I think that was his only one. I'm going to go with uh, Kenny Boyer. (laughs) Related to the concrete guy? Yeah. (laughs) What AL slugger became the first MLB player to ever strike out 2,000 times? Reggie Jackson. Who holds the Major League Baseball record for most games played? Most games played is... uh, Did somebody pass Henry Aaron? I don't think they... Oh, you know what? I'm going to go with Pete Rose. And happy 61st birthday to the worm, Dennis Rodman. Mm. How many NBA titles did Rodman win? Rodman won two with the Pistons, three with the Bulls, and I think one with San Antonio. I'm going to say half a dozen, cousin. Three to one is our final score. Three to one. Dang it. Why you think you lost? Yeah. You're smiling, though. <laughs> Just win, baby. Hey! Oh! oh.
the arrogance of this man two days in a row. Is that going to punk you out? I think he might. <laughs> Did he actually win the fight? Hope so. Matt, ring the bell. <laughs> All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Here's to the winner. I'm sorry, Zach. Oh, it's all good. I didn't expect to win. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just the journey, right? It's just the joy of competing. Oh, I'm just happy to be on. I've been listening since the start, and this is the first time I got to fight, so I'm just happy oh. to, hey, to we, participate. <laughs> we appreciate you listening and uh, being so loyal. Thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, guys. Have an awesome weekend. <sighs> Randy. <laughs> what? You with the early trigger on these... Sounders. Just win, baby. One of these days, you're going to think that you won and you didn't. No, and that, that will not happen. I'm going to have Matt cut that audio and we're going <laughs> to play that for all of eternity, just so you know. But I love your confidence. It's almost like the St. Louis Blues. When Nick Letty gets you on the board first, it's over. It's a wrap, right? <laughs> Ken Boyer is the only player. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, we're loose on a Friday. Uh, Ken Boyer is the only player to hit for multiple cycles while a Cardinal. He did it on September 14th, 1961, and June 16th, 1964. Impressive. A lot of sixes in there. Reggie Jackson became the first Major League Baseball player to ever strike out 2,000 times. Pete Rose, you knew this one, holds the Major League Baseball record for most games played. 3,562. a lot of games. Yes, it is. Indeed it is. And happy birthday to the worm, to Dennis Rodman. Wonder if he's going to Vegas to celebrate. <laughs> he won five NBA titles. Two with the Pistons, three with the Bulls. So he didn't win with San Antonio. I like how you threw out the San Antonio, though. That's that. I was I was impressed that you, you threw it out there. Yeah, they got they got there, but I think he I think he was off the team. Oh, okay. So, good. Uh, that is the fight on 101 ESPN. Keith Kachuk is next with Carriker and Smallman. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Character, great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. And we go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Keith Kachuk, Big Walt, is standing by. And one of the things that you always hear at this time of year is that the playoffs are a man's game. And Keith Kachuk, when he was in the playoffs, just played that way. And that's the way the Blues play. And, well, first of all, good morning. Great to have you with us. Thanks for taking the time. Second of all, you have to love being the, the player that you were, watching the Blues do what they do. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Randy. Uh, and, yeah, it was incredible. I watched the game uh, last night. And to see us play the way we did against a tough physical hockey team and didn't back down and kept on pushing back, and our veteran guys showed why they won the Stanley Cup in 2019. Um, it was fun to see. Um, I think we're we're hitting our best right now, and it's perfect going through the next series against a tough abs team. Keith, what component of what you saw out of the Blues game in the series versus the Wild impressed you the most? Well, first of all, a couple of things. Um, Benner showed why he was the main reason why we won the cup back in 2019. Um, him, you know, being a competitive guy and staying with it and being ready to go no matter what comes in and, and was 3-0 and and his goals against average was ridiculous. And also that third period in game five. That was what I saw in 2019 we didn't quit the pressure was on in minnesota they're all over us and we stuck with it and we dominated that third period and carried right into 
You know, the, you know, and they were in that power play stood out. Our power play, our special teams was different. Our penalty kill was great in our power play, produced when it needed to. Keith, when you see Jordan Bennington playing the way that he is, if you were his teammate and you know what he's capable of, especially in the playoffs, and you see him starting to cook like this, that's got to provide you confidence as a player, right? Yeah, I mean, his swagger is his biggest asset um, in his puck handling. I mean, he's like a he's like an extra defenseman out there, and it makes things a lot easier. When you have guys like Foligno and Greenway and Erickson Eck coming down on you and Hartman, you know, he relieves some of that pressure to help our D, uh, you know, withstand some, you know, physical contact they would have gotten if they, he didn't come out and handle it. So uh, kudos to him. But at the end of the day, he stops the puck and he has that swagger, and that's what makes him so special. Keith Kachuk with us on 101 ESPN. And Walt, I want you to give us your impressions of Scott Perunovich. You've seen him a whole lot more than any of us have, and so you know what he's capable of. But what have you thought of his playoff performance in these three games? Well, He's done exactly what we thought he would do. Um, he has so much confidence with the puck. He doesn't get rattled being on the ice like some young guys would playing with, you know, uh, Tarasenko or Perron or O'Reilly or Shen. He doesn't get rattled. And he makes plays. Good players want to play with defensemen like that. He gets pucks to the net when he needs to. But he's looking to make plays, and he opens things up for those guys. And our power play was rolling. Keith, another guy who doesn't get rattled is Nick Letty. He's as steady as they come. He gets the Blues on the board first last night. I don't know if anyone expected that. But he did a great job containing Kirill Kaprizov. What did you think about the series that Nick Letty had? Well, he's probably what an underrated uh, acquisition by Doug Armstrong and our pro staff getting a guy like that who logs ice time. He's been around, skates so well. Um, obviously, his, his, his main thing is he defends well and skates well. But to go out <laughs> And four, five guys surround you from Minnesota and just throw one out the net and scoring to get open in the game was, was what we didn't expect, but we'll take it. But, you know, he's been a great addition to the team. He logs ice time. He takes the pressure off. Guys who have also been great is Falk and Pareko. Those are your three, three main guys. And, Everybody else is doing a good job of filling in, but Letty's shown why he's won before. And it's interesting because Pareko was kind of on a roller coaster during the regular season. He's one of those guys that I, I want to get back to the veterans that you mentioned. But those guys have won in 2019. They've shown me, Walt, that they can rise to the occasion, that they, they can play a good, consistent brand of hockey once we get to game 83 and beyond. Yeah, I mean, Pareko, he's not going to wow you with the puck, but you know what? When he plays against guys like McDavid and and, you know, especially when we're going to play against the big guy, McKinnon, he does a good job. He swallows these guys up. He skates extremely well. He's able to keep pace with the guy. He's got a good stick. He's got that big body. So, you know, we're going to need him in this series. He's going to probably play 30 minutes plus every game. So um, you're fortunate to have a guy with size like that and strength and a skating ability. Another guy that you, you love to have at playoff time is Braden Chen, isn't it? Because he, he is a thorn in the side of the opposition. Game five was a difference maker. Yes, the, the, maybe the production, but he does more things other than production that helps you win. He was running around crushing guys that game five in, in Minnesota. You know, when you guys, when you have guys like that do that, especially on the road, you know what? The other guys see that and say, oh, there we go. Okay, let's get it going here, boys. If he's doing it, we got to do it. And it opens up room for his teammates. If they're going to put licks on Tarasenko and Robbie Thomas and Cairo, you know what? Shenner gave it back, and I love the way he played. We do too, Keith. It was amazing. And we talk a lot about the guys on the ice, and for good reason. They're the ones that make the engine run. But how about Craig Berube? It just seems like he always knows exactly which buttons to push to get the best out of his guys or the tactical move that he needs to make in order for the Blues to have success. He really has done an excellent job. 
Yeah, yes. He believes in his guys, and he's an emotional guy. I know that. And, and you know, he's played over a 1,000 games, and I think guys see that and understand that, you know, he's done it before, and I think that goes a long way with the players. And not only he's done it, but he's a tough human being. And, and obviously, the guys play well for him, and he finds a way to get the guys out there, and he motivates them. I love his, you know, in-between period speeches, or pre-game speeches. It's great. guy knows how to push buttons, and that's what you need to do. And he's been successful so far. He never gets... He never gets too low or too high. Um, yes, he gets a little bit emotional sometimes, but I love him. I'd love to play for a guy like that. Meanwhile, your son Matthew is in the playoffs as well, playing for the Calgary Flames. And there was a video, I don't know if you saw it, how locked in you were, your son Brady trying to get your attention, and you were just locked in on the game. How is that for you when, you, when you're watching that game and, and so intense? Are, were you just totally locked in? You know what? I, I, I when I go to games, I don't even want to sit here. I just want to watch him. I don't want somebody next to me talking to me. I don't, I, I'm sorry, it's not rude. I just I love my family, but I I want to just I'd rather go sit by myself somewhere, and not talk to him. I want to watch the game. I'm there to watch the game. I love watching the game, and you know I'm excited. I've been following Calgary around. I'm actually in Dallas again for Game Six, and you know we'll see where that goes. But I love coming to watch the game. I don't get to see my son play, and it's an emotional series, and it's been a tough series, but. Um, hopefully I can close it out tonight. But yeah, even my wife, I, don't, I love her, but I don't. I just want to watch the game. I don't want to get talking to. Her. I just don't like that. Now, is that something, Keith? If you're not around people that know you, that you have to preface before the game starts, like, hey, just don't talk to me, or do they just learn when you don't respond? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think I suspended Brady from coming again. <laughs> a little bit too much of a distraction. You know, I had to send him off to. Uh, hopefully, he'll be, he'll beat us in Dallas. So, hope I mean in. Uh, hopefully in Calgary for either Game Seven or the next series. <laughs> you know what, Keith? I uh, the reason I don't go to Super Bowl parties is because I don't want anybody talking to me. I want I want to focus in on the game. I totally get where you're coming from. Well, I pretty I, I do. I mean, I just I'm there to watch. I want to watch. I'm excited. I'm, you almost feel like you're in the battle, and and. Uh, that's why I like. I, that's why it's fun to actually watch it at home on TV with nobody bothering. I can sit by myself on my recliner and just watch it. But I'm here in Dallas supporting my son and looking forward to it. And hopefully, maybe down the road we can see the St. Louis Calgary Conference Final. Yeah, no, uh, no mixed emotions there for Keith Kachuk at all. <laughs> hey, Walt, we appreciate you taking some time. Have fun. Good luck tonight to to Matthew and the Flames, and we'll be watching that one. And we will see you soon. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks for having me, guys. Let's go Blues. Let's go Blues. See you later. That is Keith Kachuk, one of our all-time favorites on 101 ESPN. Can you imagine trying to chat him up during the game? Oh, man. That, the the video is so you. funny. <laughs> I love that it's his son, though, but can you imagine if it's you or... Well, oh. you, you know him, but somebody that might not know him that might be in a, a box with him or something trying to chat him up during the game. Yeah, I'm trying to watch a game. Yeah, come on. <laughs> trying to lock in here. He's awesome. Coming up next... Uh, uh, <coughs> On 101 ESPN. On Character and Smallman on yeah, 101 we, ESPN. We got it. We, we, we got it. We, we're going to have more reaction. And we go. want more reaction from you about last night's Blues win over the Minnesota Wild as they move on to play the Colorado Avalanche next. And that is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Ames and Jammer is with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Everything's great, and we want to start with this because uh, you you talked about the best way to neutralize the uh, youngster Kaprizov is to keep the puck 200 feet from the net. I thought the Blues did a really good job last night of, especially in that second period, maintaining offensive zone pressure so that Kadri couldn't get near the net. Yeah, it it was 
really a, an amazing display of uh, being committed to doing the right things defensively. And I think that obviously scoring first certainly helps, but uh, as a group, uh, I was very impressed with how the Blues defended in layers, um, kept everything f- to the outside for the most part. And I thought it was, of the three games, Bennington's best game. And so that's a great sign for the Blues as they go forward. Jamal, we haven't talked a lot about the upcoming series versus the Avs this morning. We've looked back a lot on Game 6. But as you do look forward to Colorado, what can you take from this first-round series from the Blues that gives you confidence that they can handle Colorado? Well, obviously, Colorado's had an amazing season. And we all know, uh, you know the star power that they bring to the table what I like about the Blues is the fact that they are three lines deep. You know, no other team in the league has nine guys with over 20 goals. They can all defend. They play with a pace that's required, but they can play it any way you want it. I think they're going to have to really do a good job through the neutral zone. And, and what I mean by that is you can't feed into Colorado's transition game. So managing the puck is going to be important. Um, protecting the puck and putting the puck in good areas so that you're not feeding into their transition is going to be important. So uh, I I like the Blues. Uh, Obviously, if you look from the outside, it doesn't look like a great matchup because of Colorado and how well, you know, they they dispatched of Nashville quite quickly in four games. But, you know, at the end of the day, the Blues are a team that have a lot of guys that have done it before, and you can't understate the value of having – guys that have done it before and and, and going up against a team that's not going to be easy, but uh, I think it's going to be a great series. I I like the Blues' chances. Jammer, when you talk about what the Blues need to do against a team like Colorado, it felt like you were kind of describing that they need to play the way Nick Letty plays, right? You can't turn the puck over. You got to get it, get the puck through through the zone without turning it over and make sure that you don't, like you said, feed into their speed. Yeah, and, and you know what? And that's what lads. I had the Letty was a rookie when I was in Chicago, and um, honestly, there's very few players that can skate as well I've ever played with my entire career, uh, as well as Led. So he's a guy that uh, is comfortable under pressure, uh, can log log a lot of minutes, uh, plays a very simple game, can defend with his feet. Not an overly big guy, but doesn't need to have the size to defend. He's a smart player, and I think that having that experience, him, Saad, not to mention all the guys on the Blues that have won in the past, really valuable this time of year. So they're a team that, uh, and I love the comments afterward. I think it was O'Reilly that said, that's one. That's only one, boys. So this is a team that's focused on, on the bigger prize and understands that they have a long way to go. Hey, give us your impressions of Darcy Kemper, the Avalanche goalie. I mean, he's a big guy. He's a, he's a goalie that had a great season, obviously, with Arizona. I think he's uh, – I think you got to get him moving laterally. I think you got to create traffic. I think it feeds into what the Blues want to do. I think that the more that the Blues can get to their, their four-check game and uh, kind of slow the game down as much as possible using their heavy, heavy bodies and, and play in the, in the offensive zone, and get traffic and bodies to the front of the net, uh, I think that they're going to give not only Kemper troubles, but also the Avalanche D. 
Jamal, I want to go back to game six last night. Speaking of goaltenders, what did you make of the decision by the Minnesota Wilds to go with Cam Talbot over Marc-Andre Fleury, who hadn't played since April 28th and was 0-1-2 versus St. Louis? It, it was certainly a risk. You know, I hate to dig in on, on coaches. I think it's too little too late if you're looking from Minnesota Wilds' perspective. Uh, my honest opinion is that uh, it's kind of like washing your hands of the situation. Oh, here we go. We lost. We're our backs against the wall. Here you go, Talbot. I think it puts Talbot in an awful situation as well, and it kind of it kind of lets the players off the hook. And and so I didn't like the messaging. Uh, you know, Flurry's a professional. You didn't see any kind of reaction. He's obviously going to continue to be a supportive teammate. But uh, for me, I didn't like the message it sent his group. I was glad they did it because I want the Blues to win. But it put Talbot in an awful situation that uh, that he couldn't recover from. Jamal Mayer's with us on 101 ESPN. Jamal, a guy who had a really good series for the Blues is Vladimir Tarasenko, who needed, after the injuries of the last couple of years, to step up. It looks to me like the old playoff Vladdy is back. Is there a difference between what you're seeing now and what you saw before his shoulder injuries when he played in the playoffs? Oh, yeah. Confidence. Um there's a quiet confidence there. I think that strategically, uh, the coaching staff has decided, you know, Chiefs decided to scale back his minutes, and maybe he didn't like that at, at first, but it's been proven. When he hover, hovers around 17, 16, 17, 18 minutes, he's the most productive. And I know that he wants to play more, but it doesn't suit his game. Uh, he's dedicated himself to be, you know, getting himself back in great physical form, He's able to log and play at a pace that helps him. He's got great chemistry with his line mates, and he's feeling confident. And so when the power play is rolling like it is, and he doesn't even necessarily touch the puck, which has been amazing, it goes to show you how great the power play was. And we can't understate, for me, how, how special the special teams were in Game 6. The penalty kill did their job, and the power play, I believe, had two goals. So... Um, Kudos to them. Hopefully they can continue to do that because the, the, the power play feeds into five-on-five, five, especially for those skilled players. Jamal, so many players stepped up and had big series in this first round versus the Wild. Who's somebody that you're looking at as the Blues had to take on the avalanche that you think needs to have a big, potentially, breakout series? Well, I don't know if anyone has to have a great breakout series. and That's the, that's the great thing about this team is that they have an amazing amount of depth. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, Bennington's going to have to be better than Kemper. And and then at the, you're going to have to neutralize their top players, which isn't going to be easy. You've got uh, all-star players on their roster. You've got an amazing defenseman in McCarr who uh, I think if you can, you have to be physical on him when you have the opportunity, but you don't want to run out of position. Um, I think the longer the, the Blues can play in the offensive zone, not be in such a hurry to get pucks to the net necessarily. Just keep the puck down in the offensive zone. Hold on to it. Kind of like a, an example of what the O'Reilly line does so well. It plays into what the Blues want to do. Hold on to the puck. Man, manage the puck. Slow things down. Don't feed into their, their transition game. And they'll have success. And finally, Jamal... If a young player comes to you and says, okay, I'm playing playoffs, this is an opportunity for me to hyperventilate because I'm really excited, but I'm doing so in Denver. How do you handle the altitude, especially in an exciting time like this? 
That's a great question. What I always like to do is in the morning skate is go extra hard because there's so there's no avoiding it. There's going to be a burn in your lungs. It, and I, what I like to do in the morning is to go harder than normal to get that burn early in the morning so you kind of get that feeling of what it's going to feel like, kind of open up your lungs. And I always felt like that helped in the evening for the game is that I, it wasn't a shock to you as much because you already felt it. You know what it was going to feel like. Uh, because you you experienced it in the morning, that was kind of my strategy to go through it. But there, there's really no avoiding it. It's it's certainly an advantage for for Colorado, but uh, you don't want to use things as an excuse. It's it's the same for both teams. But that would be my suggestion. And finally, for me, Jamal, the Avs haven't played since Monday, May 9th, after they swept the Nashville Predators. Is that a pro or the con, or a con for the Blues? Is it that the Avs are going to be rested and healthy and ready to go, or the fact that they've been sitting around for a while and might have lost some momentum? What do you think? I'll let you know after game one. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> you, know, you know what? It, it depends on, you know, if they have guys that are hurting or have uh, bumps and bruises it's going to help them because they get to get that rest uh the fact that the blues are just coming off the series their mind is already in that space there's no time for them to excel i like that part and so i always thought it was an advantage for the team that that just finished versus the team waiting and you think back to well a long time ago when we played we swept in the second round we swept dallas I forget what year it was maybe 2001 and then we played Colorado in the in the uh, conference final. They just came off a series, and I felt like it took us a game to get back into uh, playoff hockey, and that was unfortunate. So hopefully the Blues can do something similar to Colorado in this instance and jump on them, uh, take advantage of – there's an opportunity there for game one, in my opinion, that the fact that uh, Colorado's been sitting around. St. Louis youngsters have the opportunity to learn skills from one of the great Blues alumni, Jamal Mayers. And Jamal, I know you have some camps coming up as we go through the spring and summer. What are, how can people get involved, and what do you have coming up? Yeah, thanks for asking. I, I got uh, some skills camps coming up. In, there's three this, this summer, one June 6th to 10th, one July 25th to 29th, and then August 8th to 12th. You can check out my... Instagram handle and in there they've got all kinds of details and check out the website to, to find out more information. It's Jamal Mayers underscore hockey skills. And yeah, I work from uh, seven year olds all the way up to 16 year olds. So it's a ton of fun um, working on their game, teaching them the nuance of getting the pucks uh, inside the dots, as I call it, to create scoring chances. And uh, like I, I texted you the other day, I think you do a, a wonderful job of communicating hockey to us, which means that you're doing it to kids because we're basically like kids that you're teaching hockey to, <laughs> and we do appreciate it. <laughs> no, it's been fun. I appreciate it. Let's, uh, let's keep these, this rolling. This has been fun. Yeah, it's, it's been great. We'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. Thanks, Jamal. Have a great weekend. You too. See you later. That's our friend Jamal Mayers on 101 ESPN. You know what I forgot to ask him about is I saw him on the Jumbotron last night at the game oh. with our buddy Reed Lowe, and he had the crossbody fanny pack going. Oh, okay. Which stylish. Which I, I thought was a very sharp look, and I think more dudes should adopt it. He is extraordinarily well accessorized. He is. He's, he's a stylish guy.
So we ask him about that next week. I will, because I never understand how you guys do it without having a purse or a satchel or a man bag of some sort. Where do you keep your things? Uh, Isn't it either, annoying to have it all in your pocket? It's either the big or the small wallet. Yeah. some I, I like to travel light, basically. That's my thing. Yeah, I understand that. But sometimes there's things you need. What if you need your glasses? What if you your keys have a lot of keys on them? And then it's in your pocket. It's annoying. I just saw Jamal, very stylish crossbody fanny mm-hmm. pack. I go, more dudes need to do that. It's a satchel. Indiana Jones had one. Let's go. He did. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And he survived. Can I also everything. pull off a hat and a whip? I don't know about the whip. Yeah, I got a thing I get through security. You might get in trouble with a whip. But a hat, definitely. But why would you want to hide that hair? Don't throw an indie and then just strike me and just ruin my dreams like that, Michelle. Come on. It's the hat and the whip and the satchel. Coming up next, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is indeed time for... I saved your favorite part of the show for this segment, Randy. I am so happy. Because I know you've been just absolutely dying to talk about the NFL schedule release. Oh, baby. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I know we didn't have enough of the Cardinals and the Blues advancing, and we didn't a lot enough time to really get into this. But the NFL did have a big spectacle yesterday mm-hmm. where they announced their schedule for the 2022 season. It opens where it ended, at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. The Bill's Ra- Mafia, you're going to be going crazy. That's right. The Rams are going to host the Buffalo. Buffalo Bills, more like the Buffalo Bills are going to invade SoFi Stadium Mm -hmm. in L.A. That's going to be on September 8th. And this is just one of several challenging games for the Rams, Randy. Their opponents in this 2022 season have the league's highest winning percentage from last season, 56.7%. Wow, they'll be great, though. They'll win 12 games and go back to the Super Bowl. (laughs) Are you saying that sarcastically? I am. So you think they're going to be bad this year? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they were like a nine and seven team. Hmm. Jeff Fisher's not there anymore. Oh no, that's seven and nine. Yeah, right. But I'm interested in seeing that game. Yeah, that'll be fun. The Bills and the Rams. Yeah, and by the way, the Rams, to their credit, uh, they, they have added a guy like Allen Robinson. They lost Von Miller, and they needed to spend that money somewhere. So the, with Odell Beckham Jr. out of the mix because of the ACL, Allen Robinson is a nice receiver. And they have a lot of really good players, but like you said, their schedule is going to be tough, and they're they're now the team that everybody is angling for. They've got the target on them, the Rams do. Yeah, bleep them picks, right? Yep. Now, the most interesting game for me in week one is the Monday Night Football opener. Russell Wilson making his debut for the Denver Broncos, and he's doing so against his old teams, the Seattle Seahawks. That will be fun, won't it? That'll be the first game for Joe and Troy, regular season game, doing Monday Night Football. And I'm really interested to see what Russell Wilson's able to do against Pete Carroll's defense because he should know exactly what needs to be done against that defense. Yeah, and I just think it's going to be so bizarre to see Russell Wilson wearing a different uniform. Andrew Locke. Oh, yeah, Andrew Locke. Going against his former team. Yeah, maybe not. Not so much. (laughs) But maybe it starts the Drew Locke era. Who knows? Hope so. We'll see. I doubt it. I do, too. I hope so, too. I'm also very intrigued by the September 25th home opener for the Buccaneers against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. That's going to be really fun. And So Tampa doesn't open up until 
week three at home, and that's a classic. And then later in the season, you've you've got a Brady Mahomes too, right? It's the following week, yeah, so back to back, Brady's got Rodgers and then Patrick Mahomes. That's going to be fantastic. What team are you the most intrigued? about watching or intrigued by this season and that you want to watch? Well, Buffalo is one of them because of the way they ended last season. They're and my they, Super Bowl pick. Yeah, they just seem to be on the precipice of greatness, right? Yes. And the other one that I'm intrigued again by is Tampa. Can Brady do it at the age of 45? And they've lost a lot of guys. They didn't lose anybody after they won the Super Bowl. And now they've kind of had to reload. And I'm interested to see with a new head coach, New defensive coordinators, two new defensive coordinators. I'm interested to see what Brady does with that team. Well, I was surprised you didn't say the Miami Dolphins. Well, that's a given, right? Yeah, because the Dolphins are the voted team here mm-hmm. on Carriker and Smallman. Now, they've been in the news lately, Randy, because they put out this quote-unquote hype video of quarterback to Otunga Vailoa. Uh, throwing a pass to Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. also known as Cheetah. They tweeted this, the Miami Dolphins did, to a, and then a rocket emoji, at Cheetah. Now, the problem with that is, is that the pass wasn't super sharp <laughs> or crisp. It was a little wobbly, and it almost seemed like Tyreek Hill might have had to turn around a little bit to get it, that he might have mm-hmm. been underthrown, which, you know, for a quarterback that doesn't have a ton of confidence uh, surrounding him and Tua Tagovailoa. Now they got him a lot of weapons, but I don't think a lot of people feel like Tua is going to be the guy. I don't know if that's the video you put out as yeah. the hype video. Not exactly a rocket arm. No, you, you might be able to find something else. So a lot, a lot of sports media entities been breaking down this video, saying if that's what you're using for the hype video, how bad is it? How bad could it be? Diana Rossini of ESPN, <laughs> what did you think of this video? My first reaction to it was, why? Why are we posting this? This is the best time of year for any organization, specifically down in Miami, right? They had perhaps the best trade of the offseason. They have this incredible piece that they added. Right now, the optimism is at its highest. Less is more. And and just from a social media perspective, I know we like to talk about this a lot. I spend like 30 minutes deciding what picture I want to post of my cup of coffee, right? Everyone puts so much effort into what they post. So you're telling me that's the best they could have done? That's the best video they had? No. I just feel like they could have done better. I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. If you're going to post something, especially this time of year, it's an uncontested throw. You have every resource available to make him look great. If you really want to hype up your fan base, you wait until he has yeah. a, a, throw. an absolute dart and you post it up there and then you throw the rocket emoji. So, or if that's the throw, don't even post it. Why do we need, we don't right. need, it wasn't required that you put a video up there of Tua Tungavailoa throwing to Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like a very suspect decision. What what are we doing, Dolphins? Also, when you think about it, it's literally highlighting one of the biggest worries that people had in the offseason when you made the move, which Mm -hmm. is can Tua's arm strength match up and take advantage of Tyreek Hill's speed? So you literally, as the video coordinator or the social media person, you took a video that highlights the biggest issue your fans had with the offseason and then put that out on Front Street when nothing else is being put out about your team. That's the Mm. worst possible PR job. As a Dolphins fan, Randy, how did the video make you feel not great mm. no kind of disappointing i would hope that their social media would be better but it's not do you think maybe this is a, a classic 
rope a dope. We're gonna put out this video of Tua where the well, pass doesn't look that sharp, and then he's gonna be unveiled in week one and look like Aaron Rodgers. I wish. No, I don't think that's Yeah, I don't happening. think so either. Yeah. I think it was just a big yeah. time fumble. By the way, the Dolphins the open team. up week one against the New England Patriots at home. Which cheetah do you think is favored in that one? Randy. Is that a diss at Bill Belichick because yeah. of Spygate? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Matt's standing up. He's yeah, giving standing a standing up. ovation. Yeah. That's that, that. I'm sorry. That was a that was an A plus dad joke. <laughs> a plus dad joke. I mean, it's like puts it at like a D minus as a, like a regular joke, but A plus dad joke. Cheetah. Andy's in Boston. Pretty good, Randy. I'm not even mad at it. It's pretty, pretty good. <laughs> How long have you been holding on to that one? About a minute. Okay. Well, thank you for your patience. I'm you glad that it. you were able to get that one in there. And finally, the Miami Heat, they're headed to the Eastern Conference Finals for the second time in three years. They closed out the 76ers 99-90 to in Game 6 of this second round series. They take the series 4-2. to And I think it's cool, number one, that Joel Embiid showed so much respect for Jimmy Butler. But Jimmy Butler was looking in free agency for a spot where there was a demand for excellence. And Pat Riley delivers that demand for excellence on a regular basis. And one of the reasons that they're a great basketball team, you know, we see James Harden not even compete last night. And one of the reasons they're great is because their best guy is so intensely competitive. And he thinks, Butler, that they can win it all, and I would not be surprised. He is so intense. Yep. You don't... He reminds me... No, I don't even want to say that because I don't want to give him the comps. But he's the type of guy that thrives with a chip on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. You saw the video of Tobias Harris over me. He's a guy that I think needs bulletin board material to get going. And people have fallen in line behind him. Tyler Hero is intensely competitive. You see Bam Abadio, uh, Adebayo. You now are seeing a, a young, pl- well, not a young player, but a player who hasn't been in this situation, Victor Oladipo, who's finally healthy, but he's showing some of those same traits. That team seems to follow along with what Jimmy Butler is. Randy, what's been going on with your socials lately? We haven't heard about any Instagram models in a while. I'm kind of concerned. Don't be concerned. There's not an awful lot going on. Quiet season? Yeah. uh, Caroline, she's traveling a lot. Is she? Yeah. So uh, she's out there. She's staying busy, though. You think it's because it's the NBA playoffs? Everyone's just locked in? I think that's probably it. Yeah, the Instagram models. They're traveling to different cities (laughs) to visit their Instagram bows. Insta bows. Insta bows? Yeah. I don't know if some of them aren't Insta I I O Insta official. Oh no, they're no, no they they're in the NBA. They don't have to be official with anything. They just all they have to do is say, "Oh, you're an Instagram model. You want to come into my room?" That's the way it works. And security just lets them up. Yep, happens. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Coming up, the uh, head football coach at the University of Missouri. He's apparently got some juice. We'll tell you why next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Headed towards a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax. Michelle, I was at an event with Eli Drinkwitz two, three weeks ago, and we were talking about name image likeness and about how they needed to have a clearinghouse so that they can have somebody that actually collects money and then distributes it to players. And the school wasn't allowed to participate in name image likeness until 
yesterday. And by the way, one of the things that Eli said was, hey, we need to get this law changed. Well, yesterday, Missouri lawmakers, according to Dave Matter at stltoday.com, amended the state law to give college coaches and university employees a more active role in the endorsement opportunities their athletes have in NIL. Curtis Gregory, a former Mizzou player, introduced the bill, and it was passed and now just awaits a signature from Mike Parson. Seems kind of silly that you'd have a rule that NIL is there. It's a thing that we're going to be utilizing for the foreseeable future in college sports, but the college itself can't be part of the process. And this law mirrors a Tennessee law that was signed into law uh, earlier this spring. So Missouri moving forward in name, image, likeness, and now Coach Drinkwitz and the athletic program will have the opportunity to actually be involved in the process of name, image, likeness, which was not the case until yesterday. And I think that that's great that they're going to have more agency in this process because it is kind of the wild, wild west out there. Randy, did you see what Deion Sanders said? He went on social media and was saying that the NCAA has a big time problem with this NIL stuff. Wow, this is coming of, of from, all people. This is coming from Dion. Here's what he said. He said, when you start paying athletes like they're professionals, you get athletes acting like they're professionals and you don't have staffs large enough and equipped enough to handle a young man with money. Let me go deeper. Handle a young man that's making more money than some of the coaches on the staff. So the fact that Eli Drinkwitz now has a little bit more power when it comes to this, I think, is better because if you're having Deion Sanders, who's having a problem with some of his players who are now making all this money and don't want to listen to him, where I'm I'm assuming he was somebody in that position who probably understands why it's needed that Mm -hmm. these guys should make some money, I can't imagine what other programs are dealing with. But Gary Pinkle talked about this with us gosh randy last year when we talked about name image likeness and this was one of the things that he brought up is that these players already have a lot of outside influences telling them that they're great and maybe inflating their egos and now you give these guys money and you give these guys way more power not that they don't deserve it on some level but how as a coach do you really get through to a kid when they don't need you for clout or they don't need you for for money I don't know how you do, because if they aren't happy, now they can just leave. Exactly. The combination of NIL and the transfer portal is causing a lot of problems. And you can embrace it all you want, but either way, it's going to be a problem. You have to know now that you're going to lose two or three of your best players if you're a coach. Maybe if you're a basketball coach, you lose every single player that you have, and you have to rebuild. And the problem that college sports is going to have. It's great that the players have these opportunities, but the problem is is at the end of the day, they have to sell a quality product. And if there's only a dozen schools that can turn out a quality product, that can afford to pay and keep their players, then you've got a problem. If you're in Illinois, if you're a Missouri, if you're a Kansas State, if you are a, a, a Texas Tech, you aren't going to have the opportunity to to maintain a good product because your best players are going to be poached by the the 12 blue bloods. And it's such a, a complicated issue because there's there can be a lot of good in something that also then creates a lot of issues, which is what I think we're seeing now. But when I look at college basketball, Randy, part of the reason that I think a lot of people have become disinterested in college basketball is because you don't see the same guys all the time. Mm-hmm. It used to be where you would 
follow a team and you would know who was going to be on the team. It was the same guys for three, sometimes four years. And they became stars in the state. They became stars. And then that's when usually guys would make a tournament run. And Mm -hmm. it was exciting to see guys. Or that's something, too, is that you see the same guys in the tournament year after year. And they become identifiable with a program. But now with the state of college athletics and college basketball and college football, you're seeing so many guys on the move that I think you're losing a little bit of that familiarity and a little bit of that consistency as a fan that makes you love the product. So I wonder how this problem can be solved. And if Deion Sanders, by the way, and his program is basically subsidized by barstool sports, they're paying his players a ton of money. But if Deion is having issues in getting through to players, then who has more cachet with players than Deion Sanders That's does? That's right. Then if you're another coach somewhere else, if you're Brian Kelly, how do you get through to your players if Deion Sanders can't get through to his? That's an excellent point. And Deion was saying that he thinks that college team teams need to hire more qualified men that mm-hmm. can handle young men getting their money that they're getting. But to your point, if they're not listening to Dion, what sort of adults are even if they have the best intentions and are correct in their assessment of what these young uh, student athletes need to do from a financial Mm -hmm. standpoint or from a listening to your coach standpoint, do you think they're going to listen to those guys? If they're not listening to Dion, there's no way. No. So I'm glad that at least the legislature is listening to Eli Drinkwitz and hopefully he can maintain some sort of semblance of control over the quality of the program at the University of Missouri. And by the way, I should point out that Lawrence Bowers, former Mizzou basketball player, he's trying to get the NIL situation at Mizzou going so that he can develop that clearinghouse where money comes in and money goes out to the players. Because right now, Demetrius Johnson has done a wonderful job with Luther Burden. And that's one person that's handling some of the NIL here in St. Louis. But I just think there needs to be... From a school standpoint, a little bit more oversight, and hopefully one person can be the common denominator, the person that takes the money in and then doles the money out to the the players. But it's a pretty interesting story. You can read Dave Matter's piece at stltoday.com. Great job by our producer engineer today, the one, the only, Matt Rocchio. Hey, hey Matt, uh, this is kind of weird in St. Louis on May 13th, Friday the 13th. We probably mentioned the Cardinals for 10 seconds today. Yeah, I think we did maybe one minute. Oh, yeah, the, we did a little uh, Tyler the O'Neill. Open, and then I was going to say maybe a minute and a half in Teoli because Tyler O'Neill was my take right, it or leave right. it. Right, so maybe two minutes total in a three-hour show of Cardinal Baseball. But you know what? When you have the St. Louis Blues moving on yep. to play the Colorado Avalanche, sorry, Cardinals, you're taking... And the, when you're they losing to, to the, the Orioles, Orioles yeah. I think they're glad we didn't talk about yeah. them today. I mean, I, I really could have... I think we could have hammered Carlson in that last in that last inning. That was, that was tough to watch, but overall... It was just not O'Neal? very interesting. Yeah, O'Neill and Carlson. O'Neill's thing, Carlson yeah. popping out in that, in that situation. I mean, come on. Great job. Have a good weekend. Enjoy your golf lesson. Thank you very much. I'm very excited for it. Thank you very Looking much. Pleasure. That. Michelle, you have a great weekend. This was fun. Thank you. I will see you guys on Monday. You bet. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until, to, until Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. 
Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.